And boom, we're back for another episode of AlphaCast. I'm Mike Winter, and I'm here as always with the good doc, Dr. Bear Paul Lando, coming to you live and direct from not-so-sunny <laughs> um, state of Jefferson here as we have potential snow again coming. We are in almost to April, and winter is still here in full effect. Uh, but I will be skiing and snowboarding this week, Bear, in Bend, Oregon, so we're transmuting uh, the seasons into fun on boards <laughs> where we can even though i really need to get my seeds going but uh you don't. Yeah. so you're gonna leave me here to hold down the fort huh well that's why we have sh the beautiful shannon uh who crushes it in alphavedic customer support shout out to shannon for all the hard work she does and of course deb and our small he's on her way to gasky to your place there right now because our last uh azure pickup for wholesale health food we uh mistakenly we're given someone else's chicken feed so she's going up to your place to return it to a neighbor oh that's so you that's, might see her oh that's awesome i hope she stops by and Maybe i know our whole audience is uh really <laughs> wanting to know about these kinds of things yeah i think we should talk about chicken feed today i would love to because i had my Works own experience with it and and definitely weren't laying until I changed some stuff up. So we could talk about that. Um, we got the Biggleson brothers here today. Very exciting. Um, I can't think of more fitting guests uh, for me to announce the big, big event that's coming June 19th, presented by Alpha Vedic, along with The Way Forward and Alex Zach, Bear Lando, uh, Kelly Brogan, Tom Cowan, Andrew Kaufman, Adam and Josh Biggleson, David Icke. There's a massive list, uh, the Baileys, um, uh, Don Lester, Dave Parker, it goes on and on and on, um, will be involved with the end of COVID. Uh, I said the word, we're not, like the event itself has a buzzword that might get us a strike, but uh, you can go to theendofcovid.com and sign up to be uh, alerted when it goes live uh, to register for free. This is going to be the summit to end all summits. And we're not even, it's not even really a summit. It's an educational platform to walk you A through Z on understanding um, how our bodies work, uh, how the, the function of the terrain and how um, essentially all this nonsense needs to stop. So we don't, uh, so humanity doesn't fall for the next PSYOP. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. So too late, already have. <laughs> <laughs> and excited to have the Biggelsons involved with that because they are doing very, very important work. Really, as we were talking about yesterday, Bear, um, they are some of the few in the world that come from the old microscopy world, which we'll be touching about on today. Very, very important stuff. Also, just a couple other things. Uh, uh, I will be playing in DJing in Nashville June 3rd and 4th at uh, the uh, Cause Fest. Rebels for a cause, and uh, you can go to alphavedic.com forward slash rebels to get more information about that. Uh, and it's going to be it's cause stands for creative artists uniting for the sovereignty of everybody or of everyone. Uh, and guess who's going to be there, Bear? Besides Alex Zach, our good friend Alex Zach, Kathy O'Brien is going to be there, which uh, oh, sweet. Will, be, will be fun. This kind of came out of the blue. Uh, Alec uh, got me connected to uh courtney turner who's doing this and i've never been to nashville so i'm very excited i'll be out there and i'll be djing uh, that event and there's some awesome people involved jay Dye, <clears throat> jay dyer ryan christian mel k 
Dr. Ben Marble, Joseph Arthur, Kathy O'Brien. So anyways, check that out. Um, always love coming to these kind of events, meeting people in person. Really important to be in real life, meeting people, hugging you know, continuing um, uh, that community growth. So uh, look out for that. And then, of course, Music and Sky, it is selling out pretty fast, actually. Very impressed with the ticket sales. Uh, go to musicandsky.com to check that out. Bear Lando being, the, um, of course, the keynote speaker. Kelly Brogan's been added to the lineup. And we're about to announce the musical lineup uh, very soon, uh, maybe today or tomorrow. Uh, very excited about that. To have Head Flux. Uh, coming our buddy Steve who's been on AlphaCast coming all the way from the UK and bear Don Lester bought her ticket so Don Lester will be there so that'll be fun and out with Don. she's gonna try to come up to the farm afterwards yes so um I'll put you in contact with Don she really wants to come up and hang out at the farm and of course um Josh and Adam are familiar with Don's work of course and David's uh very very important book what really makes you ill one of the most important books of the last decade I would say um okay anything else bear before i do a quick intro here no let's do it okay josh and adam biggleson are back to further share the pioneering work of their father harvey biggleson md and how they are continuing the family legacy through the biggleson method our father believed he was a medical detective and firmly believed if you cannot figure out the cause of disease then you are just guessing at how to create wellness Based on 40 years of observable patterns discovered through live cell microscopy, the Biggleson method is awaited to discover the root cause of the body's imbalance while giving hope to a world too long confined within an archaic medical matrix. The root cause is not a germ. It's an imbalance in your terrain. Dr. Biggleson learned how to interpret images created by the blood in order to understand a person's total health. He found that blood, like water, is a messenger of a person's emotion and consciousness. Imagine that from one drop of blood, you can see into how your body is reacting both physically and emotionally. You are a spiritual, emotional, and physical being, and your health is a balance of these realms. Quote, blockages from surgeries, injuries, birth trauma, emotional trauma, etc. in anyone or more of these areas may eventuate in dis-ease. Depending on how long-standing and what the trauma or issue may be, your holographic blood holds the truth and the key to decoding the hidden messages within you. Eastern philosophy believes there are holograms in the eye, ear, foot, and tongue. The same can be said for the blood. Outside of the basics, such as red blood cells, white blood cells, platelets, etc., the blood shows holographic images, which may show disturbance fields. This discussion couldn't be more timely, and we promise this episode will forever change how you view your body and health. Yeah, Bear, this is uh, right up our alley, man. We're going back to our roots today. Bring yeah, it back. This is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> back to the roots, Don't roots want- of the terrain. Go on, Bear. Sorry. Uh, no, no, this is amazing. Uh, Adam and Josh, uh, thanks for making time for us. Uh, you're two of my favorite peeps on the entire planet here, and I'm really looking forward to having a good chat. Uh, you oh, know, awesome. I, as, you, <laughs> as you guys know, I spent a lot of years looking under the microscope, as you have. And, uh, you know, early on, I noticed some aberrations in uh, slides and things that I couldn't explain. You know, I was more 
you know, focused on the elements that I pay attention to, you know, just to treat people and everything, which you guys know all about. Um, when I started seeing certain kind of imagery pop up every so often and, and notice some patterns, I didn't know what to make of it, really. I, you know, is it a 60s flashback? Is there something going on here or, or what's happening? So uh, when I came in contact with you guys and realized that, wow, you've actually, your family has made an entire science of it. And it's a perfect, what I think, marriage between uh, science-based microscopy and alchemy, you know, because you're really bringing in all the other elements that the old alchemists, and when we say alchemy on this show all the time, we're, we're meaning a complete science, not some kind of uh, woo-woo stuff. So um, yeah, this is going to be great fun. I want to throw another little uh, wrinkle into the discussion. And Mike, I think you might be interested in this too for the upcoming uh, end of uh, the you-know-what um, situation. Uh, what do we what do we call it here? We're gonna do uh, ridiculousness. End of the nonsense. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. End, end of the coronation. About, okay, I'm just trying to think of what to talk, uh, call this mythical organ. How about uh, Pervidius erectus or something? You know. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, uh, you know, there's a lot more going on that I perceived after thousands of hours and decades of looking at little bugs under the microscope. And yeah, we uh, were able to confirm what the great minds before us already discovered and that these organisms provide certain functions in our body. They live within us, they're seed forms all the time. And when a particular job is uh, necessary to be done, then certain uh, species of these organisms would rise to the occasion and pleomorphically change into size shape function uh that would get the job done and you know that's quite a departure from the the old germ theory of disease which couldn't be further from the truth um what i'd like to add to this and my observations for what they're worth um you know i started writing about this mike we're going to do a presentation on this um just notifying you here and um it's going to get into other dimensions of microorganisms, which is the fact that there is an actual depth of sentience with these organisms that I think we still don't appreciate, even in well-heeled biotrain circles. And that is the fact that there is a whole microbial psychology to uh, acknowledge. <laughs> and with this, you know, we find that uh, what I found is that microorganisms, uh, uh, display certain attributes under the microscope, uh, irritability, instincts, um, memory, uh, reasoning faculties. Uh, uh, they also display um, levels of volition. So we're talking about a real, a real um, intelligence here, which I think we can take it much further than just noticing the same pleomorphic pattern of going through cycles for function, just like we see in all areas of life outside of us, within our own bodies, within our own external body. So if we could maybe get some of your thoughts on that, but you, for the folks that didn't see, go ahead, Mike. I was just gonna say, it's so funny you say that because I, we were talking before you came on um, about, I was jumping back into uh, the good old Antoine de, uh, Bichamp this morning, the blood in the third the third element, which we can bring up a little bit later, but he specifically explains how his microzyma theory is that the microzymas are actually different 
in uh, not only in the different organs, but in the different animal species, and that as the progenitors of life, they have different sort of behavior, characteristics, personality. And so I'm thinking like those are the little essences of life and AI and all this nonsense about, you know, AI taking over the world. How can that ever be self-actuating if it doesn't have the life principle of those little microzymas in it, which as you're, you know, hinting at bear are the, the really important fundamental aspects of really consciousness. Yeah. Um, so let, let's get into it. We'll we'll start with maybe just getting a little background uh, from you guys for folks that didn't see our part one. And you know, by the way, uh, I'm in kind of a mood today, so forgive me. Um, I just recently heard somebody really taking bioterrain theorists to task. Um, now, I I never like to call people out by name, so I won't mention Dell's name. But um, he's, uh, you know, continuing to put out this nonsense to keep us in the germ bo uh, box. And uh, he's started talking about biotrain theory. Well, my friend, everything that you talk about is a theory, period. Uh, everything that I talk about when I discuss biotrain is based on observable empirical evidence, and I think that used to be the definition of science, but now, of course, empiricism has been uh, recategorized as anecdotal and, you know, just dismiss, you know, what you see with your own eyes. So I would say to our friends out there that are still considering it a theory, Dell, um, you know, until you have spent the hours looking at these things under microscopes, until you've managed cases and brought to the table modalities that actually treat the body uh, you know, uh, for the real issues, the real causative factors at hand, um, you know, then you really don't know anything about biotrain and you have no business talking about it. And Dell, here's another thing. I would really like to invite you on our show and let's have mm -hmm. a discussion about it. I, I'd love to, you know, just again, have a nice, calm, enlightening discussion and see how much you know about biotrain theory. And then let's just con contrast it with your theories. I'm tired of all this BS. Uh, hey, uh, Adam and Josh, let's uh, talk a little bit about, thank you, I feel much better now. Um, so let's talk a little bit about uh, your background, how you know you, you got into the situation. And more importantly, we want to bring our audience up to breast with uh, what you're doing now at the Biggleson Academy. You're doing phenomenal work and thank you. So uh, take it away, gentlemen. Cool. And I wanted to, um, we did a webinar yesterday. Um, Josh got to talk a lot, so I'm gonna talk first. <laughs> um, and I'll, I'll say this uh, real quick, guys. You know, this for us is very simple. This is not a theory. These are the laws of nature. This is, and we want your help. This is the terrain paradigm. All right. There is no question. We had Alan Williams, regenerative agriculturist on a webinar of ours. This guy has 1500 head of cattle and no veterinarian on staff because his cattle do not get sick. All right. This is this is the way nature works. We asked the gardeners, the farmers. He has no idea what we do. We said, do you see accidents in nature? No. Does everything have a purpose? Yes. Does nature do anything in vain? No. All right, so let's bring this back to those basics. And I appreciate this. This is where we are at. We're trying to make, keep things simple, that KISS principle, keep it simple and sustainable. So <clears throat> yes, for people that are you know, questioning what we're talking about, 
I'd love to say dad was 25 years of clinical success with this paradigm. All right. So when people want to argue, there's adamant ignorance. We have not that we have people that are alive, but I looked up chronic diseases the other day, the list, which by the way, is a definition, a doctor labels you with a chronic disease because he can't help you. So they just say you're chronic. Well, I look at that list and how many of these things did we work with Josh? Did dad help? Many of them. So chronic by their definition, you want to come hang out with us. We have different things to talk about. So basics. Um, and yes, in a mood, I support your mood bear. <clears throat> Let it out. Right. <laughs> we have to do what we have to do. And if we hold on to it, we get TMJ. Uh -huh, right. For people listening who has TMJ right now. Um, we have done quite a bit of our background experience, which is great. And I can do a quick, you know, uh, we can talk about dad's history for hours just on that. When we do our two hour lecture, it's a 30 minute section on dad. Uh, Josh, jump in on any of this. Uh, our father was an eye surgeon initially. Uh, he was very high functioning um, at a young age. He, he decided he wanted to cure cancer at the age of eight. Um, and grandma said, you can't do that. And he said, why not? That's what doctors do. So he went on in life and he was, <clears throat> he was a small Jewish guy in inner city, New York, um, with a big chip on his shoulder. He wanted to play football. They wouldn't let him try out for his high school team. Uh, when he was a junior, they let him try out and he became the captain of the football team. So there's a little resonance with bear and the whole football experience. Right. Um, so he did cool things. Well, he did, he really was there to, to prove something. Okay. Um, he went on to medical school after only three years of college, he was accepted in medical school. He asked questions and they said, read the book. And he said, I think the book is wrong. So he also said the first year they taught him what a normal body was the second year, what an abnormal body, but never taught him how one became the other. They also did something the first days, first weeks where they wrote homeopathy, acupuncture, chiropractics, things like this on the board and made fun of it and said, this is all lies. And you know, all that you need to know, you will be a God after having gone through this medical school. They did that the first day of medical school. <laughs> yeah. Right. So dad was one of those guys that said, hmm, I wonder about that. Um, so he went on to Vietnam. He was drafted in Vietnam. He was head of mass casualties because he was an eye surgeon and his eyes came last. So when the helicopters landed, he was the one who decided who could live and who died, who they could help and who they couldn't. So as he did this, he wanted to help everyone. His hospital in a time of war had a 98% survival rate. Awesome. He came back to the United States and he didn't see that happening in the United States. So he's questioning a lot. He saw lies in Vietnam. So he questions his government. He's questioned his schooling. Once he got out of that whole experience, he became an eye surgeon, rich. He was happy. No, he was actually near suicidal. He was not helping people. He had everything he had ever wanted. Uh, we didn't have art on our walls when we were kids. We had artists paint on our walls, right? Dad in the 70s had that big white suit, made him look like Sonny Bono, you know, with the big butterfly collars. And people would actually confuse him for Sonny Bono. Those of you who don't know, he was married to Cher. Some of you may know who she is. Um, but he was very unique. As he went on to medical stuff, uh, Josh, you can tell him about the uh, retro bulbar injection quickly. Let you talk. Oh, yeah. Um, person came to him with, with an issue. And he suggested surgery because that's all he was ever taught in medical school. And they said, no, I'm going to see what else I can do out there. And they found some alternative witch doctor out there who did a retro bulbar injection, pushed the eyeball to the side, injected something, you know, some voodoo into the back of the eye and fixed the case. So dad went to learn this technique. 
and was excited a few months later when somebody came with the same issue. So he did that treatment, pushed the eyeball to the side, injected back in there and fixed the case. So the person was so thrilled. They had six different doctors they had seen that couldn't help them. So they went to all six of those doctors and told them what my dad did. And every one of those doctors reported my father to the medical board. So this is the first time he would get in trouble for helping somebody, but certainly not the last time. And interesting to see people that you would think would be concerned about someone's health and well-being were more concerned with ego that dad had did something they couldn't do and they weren't happy about that. <clears throat> so he gets in trouble for that. Life goes on. Uh, at one point, um, mom goes to see a psychic and dad's not into that whole experience, but happy wife, happy life. Uh, this psychic we found out was psychic to four presidents. Um, when she, when he met our father, he said, or met our mother, he said, I need to meet your husband. We need to speak. And he introduced dad to the work of Edgar Casey. And dad was intrigued as a scientist. You know, he's, he's a numbers guy, right brain, left brain. I can never remember which is which. Uh, he's left brain. He, he's very left brain. Thank you. So he goes to see the psychic, whatever. And the psychic, yeah, introduces him to Edgar Casey's work. Dad says, this is interesting. Edgar Casey helped a lot of people. Hmm, weird. And dad studied Edgar Casey's medical readings. And he found something new. He eventually found the ARE clinic in Arizona, which was an Edgar Casey clinic. So he took a 70% cut in pay, got rid of the Porsche and the Jaguar, moved us out to Arizona. We got the Datsun and the, and the Blazer. Um, I remember as a kid saying to my mom once, uh, like, I need clothes. I need something. And mom's like, we don't have money. And I just said, go to the bank and get it. Like, I had no idea that no things have changed for us. And what I did notice as a kid was how often dad would come home from work excited about what he was doing, you know, and the things, the stories, I don't know what was going on. I was 10, 11, 12. And he would say, this person came in with this and we did this and this happened. And he was just so excited about what he did. I remember at one point, Bear, this is funny. Uh, I said, so you can help a lot of things that no one helps. And he said, yeah. And I said, what about muscular dystrophy? Because I watched the Jerry Lewis telethons. And he said, yeah. And I said, tell Jerry Lewis. And he said, he doesn't care. He has something going on. And at a young age, he explained to me, um, polio vaccine got rid of the March of Dimes and a lot of people lost their jobs, you know, and things like that. So at a young age, we grew up, we grew up in a very different world. It, it, it seemed to be, we were not aware of that until these last few years when the ridiculousness occurred and people asked about <clears throat> these, these things that dad never talked about because it wasn't a consequence to us. But what dad did though, he found the Edgar Casey clinic, his life changed. Uh, he was thrilled about his work. As time went on, he became very political. Uh, Arizona was the first state that had a law that separated the AMA from the HMA, AHMA, the American Homeopathic Medical Association. And dad co-authored that law with Bruce Babbitt. So our father wrote the law that created the first homeopathic medical association in the United States and gave out the first homeopathic medical licenses. And what he did was he made sure that homeopaths had anatomy background. At that point in time in the 80s, it was like the Wild West. Everyone can call themselves a homeopath. So he did a lot to legitimize alternative medicine. Um, he, as time went on, became attacked. He got attacked for his work repeatedly. Uh, he was brought up on charges of what, Josh? Of carrying somebody illegally um, and, and documented in their minutes and said, we don't care that you, you cured the patient. We care that you didn't do it our way scientifically. Um, mm -hmm. Charges of illegible handwriting. He said that one of the few things he learned in medical school 
was how to do a lousy signature. They actually taught him that. So your signatures cannot be tracked. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it was interesting. He brought up on charges of illegible handwriting. This is important, people. This is one of those little seeds. Okay. Ridiculousness has happened. Will I listen to anything they have to say? No. Documentation that they do not care that the person got better. That's important. Medical Conspiracy in America is dad's book that we have out there. You can get the PDF for free, usually somewhere. So I don't listen to them. I do not believe they're out there for our benefit. All right. So meanwhile, dad is doing interesting things. Yay. Uh, he's learning natural ways. Um, I get sick. I get mononucleosis. I'm supposed to go to college. I'm showing minor signs of hepatitis. Not good. Dad, uh, well, actually, <laughs> this is funny. Before this, dad went on a trip around the world with Burton Goldberg and several other people to explore alternative therapies. There's things going on outside of the United States that we need to know about. So dad ends up in Canada with Gaston Maisons, looking in the somatoscope. Dad is seeing things live for the first time. He's getting chills. He's so excited. This, is, this doesn't happen in Western medicine. They don't look at live blood. So he leaves there and he doesn't know what to do. He has to get a microscope. Well, I get sick and everything happens for its reason. He finds a German doctor who is known as the great spirit on an Indian reservation, all right? And the great spirit flew in the Luftwaffe. He flew in Hitler's air force, all right? Chills. And the natives called him the great spirit. This is very interesting. So the great spirit comes in, ex-Nazi to work with my father, the Jewish doctor from Brooklyn. And I can't breathe, you know, I'm like, just cut my throat open, my mouth, my tonsils are so swollen, it's ridiculous. And I remember him taking this huge syringe, a horse needle, putting remedies in it, uh, taking some of my blood, mixing it with my blood. I have to hold it in my hand and think happy thoughts while he shoots it with a laser. Um, then he says, say, ah, needle this big, Jewish doctor, ex-Nazi, weird. It's like all these weird movies come to mind, you know? Um, Injects my tonsils, injects the rest into my butt, uh, tells my dad he'll be fine, he can go to school. The next day, my white cell count is down, like miraculously, the coloring in my tonsils and my mouth and swelling is down, I can breathe. Four days later, I go away to college. Dad says, come work in my office, to German guy. Dr. Friedrich Plogue then works with dad with the microscope. So dad's thrilled. Now there's one in his office. Uh, Dr. Plogue doesn't teach dad very much, but he Dad studies Dr. Plogue's cases. Um, the Berlin Wall comes down. Dr. Plogue leaves to find his family. Dad's lost. Coincidences we don't believe in. Silke Friedrich, another German doctor, walks in the office, unannounced, four foot tall, red hair, cape, high heels, diamond-encrusted cigarette holder, and says, I am here. Okay, she does the microscope work as well. Dad watches her for a year doing this and does not believe what he's seeing. He's very skeptical, but he's not the jerk skeptic he wants to see for himself. Dad on one side, patient in the middle, Silka on the other side, dad looking in the microscope, guessing. Silka shaking her head, no, no, no. Yes, yes, coaching him. At one point she looks in the microscope or she says to the client, when did you break your arm? He says, I didn't tell you I broke my arm. How do you know that? Dad says, excuse us, I need to speak with the doctor. She, he says, how the hell do you know that? She points in the microscope, there's an image of a broken arm. Dad doesn't believe this. Takes him a year to believe this. And she's doing this repeatedly, okay? With Plogue, we had famous people coming in, the cast of Dynasty in Dallas were in the office and things like that. So 
with all of this, um, dad found something different. He got the microscope. He started to learn. We hired detectives. We don't know where these people learned this information from. Um, Germany, Holocaust time, potentially experimenting on our relatives. Um, all is well. Dad gets attacked. Clinics are shut down. Clinics are opened in different places. Um, in the end, uh, the final clinic was shut down. How many years ago, Josh? Five years ago? Six years ago? Got about nine years ago now. Yeah. So, and this is all stuff, you know, but we talked a little bit about it last time. And in a lot of our webinars, our lectures, we'll talk about this too. So a dad's history is very important to us, but we've already talked about it on the show before. It's just important to know some of the background. So um, let's move on. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, cool. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's good background though, you know, because yeah. we do have people in our audience that may not have seen that. And just, uh, you know, your dad's history uh, your history growing up, I think, is real germane to just set the stage for our whole conversation. So, so please uh, continue. And it's, we, well, we could do this. We have to do a documentary, which is funny at some point. Hmm. Um, That'd be with, amazing. It's well, and it's important. You know, Dad walked the walk and talked the talk. And for people listening too, I saw Dad as a as a, a Western doctor, and then I saw him go to this other side. Josh and my sister, our sister Lila, more or less grew up in the terrain paradigm, you know? So this is, we speak a language that seems foreign to people. We have lived this life through our father. He had 40 years of experience, 25 years successfully clinically working with people. So that story is important. And yes, it is a mouthful and a long story and there's more details to it, but it brings us to where we're at now. You know, Josh worked with dad side by side for 15 years. Um, didn't go to medical school and even college, which is one reason he was able to learn this because he did not have to unlearn well, his schooling. I think it was Kaufman or Cowan asked us, when did we first get introduced into the terrain paradigm? It's like, well, we never knew any different. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't until the clinic got shut down in 2014 where I moved somewhere else and worked with the alternative community where I saw that I had been trained very differently. And you know, I went to an area where I thought that people would get it. And what I saw was a bunch of green allopaths. So it was, it was a harsh, harsh realization for me. And that was, you know, my early forties where I finally learned that not every doctor is helping people and they're not helping people because they really don't understand how the body works. And back to your point on the microbiology, because they could talk about this forever. And I'm learning more and more about putting the puzzle pieces together from some of the farmers I've been working with. You know, I went to a regenerative agricultural workshop last week in Chico. They talked this about 99% of what they say is exactly what we say right? The microbiology is necessary for life. There's always nutrients in the soil. If you don't have microbiology to process it, you can't do anything. We need microbiology for, for rain to happen, you know, and they talked about how rain comes from below the, the comes from the soil. The body creates specific bacteria, it creates specific life based on what it needs. And there's this inherent intelligence that's just, it's brilliant. So I've come to the conclusion where I'm not sure if we've evolved or devolved from germs because they seem a lot smarter than we do. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. You know, whatever type of life is there in nature is because nature designated that's what it needed. Well, and this so, is a big, this so is a big, sorry, as soon as man interrupted that chain, now we're starting to have issues. So we really need to understand how nature works, how nature evolves, the integration of animals into it. The fact that the microbiology is not there to attack you, it's doing a very specific thing. And why is it doing that? It's based on your own terrain. So you're dictating in a lot of ways what's going on with that microbiology. It's, it's, just, it's just brilliant. 
Yeah, well, we're excited. You know, we'll try not to jump on each other's toes right at this point because we've learned a lot recently. You know, what we've done has been great. And we a lot of times come on and teach. But recently we've had people and we're learning and we're connecting dots and we're excited. So as Josh did this conference, we did. We brought Alan Williams on. He had no idea who we are and what we do. Josh has gone to the conference. He went again and brought some of our students. So the gatherings are happening. This is the most important thing is us really coming together physically, okay? Sharing this biofield. It's a big deal. So Josh goes though, and the simplicity of the seeds, what we have in our body, we have all the ingredients we need. Josh, what were you saying about the native, the seeds that were dormant? See, the seeds are always there. There's a great project if you go online called the Las Damas Project. Um, L-A-S-D-A-M-A-S. And it's a Mexican farmer in the Chihuahuan Desert, one of the hottest, driest parts of the world. He regenerated 35,000 acres without planting one seed. And the whole native fauna came back because inherently those seeds are there waiting for the right microbiology. All he did was incorporate livestock into it. Yeah. He didn't put fertilizer where it was needed. He let the, the cows, the livestock put the fertilizer where it was needed. They actually- Just, Yep. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry to sorry to interrupt. Just a quick comment. Yeah, there's ample um, experiments that have been done and verified that people will go and get different uh, soil samples from the Earth's strata and add water. Uh, and these are you know sections of the Earth that have been dormant for tens of thousands of years, and then all of a sudden all these little crustaceans and and creatures yeah. come alive. So yep. there's no such thing as any part of our terrain that's not alive it just right. needs to be activated so sorry go yeah. ahead awesome it's absolutely right and, and they even talked about um the dung beetles where he would watch the dung beetles rolling the crap over to where the soil was its worst and bringing the, the 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 fertilizer down into the ground in that area where it was needed so even this little dung beetle knew exactly what it was doing you know so the, the nutrients are there just like they're in our body you need the microbiology to process it Yes. You know, the way they talked about parasites, too, it's like, I'm sick and tired of people blaming everything on parasites, <laughs> right? Yeah. Why are the parasites there in the first place? The body's created for a reason. The, the farmers get it. You know, the bacteria comes there to clean up the soil and processes nutrients for the soil, right? If there's an over, if there's a stagnation, then the bacteria become, they would call it pathogenic. I would call it out of balance. Pathogenic is one of my Orwellian words, I think. Um, so things can come out of balance, then the, the soil can't absorb the nutrients because there's too much bacteria there. So then the soil creates the parasite to go and process the actual bacteria, right? On a much larger scale. So why wouldn't it be any different in our body? It is the same exact thing. You know, it's all about balance. And, and yeah, go for it. No, another distinction is, uh, you know, in regular medicine, as we classify microorganisms as kind of set in stone creatures, um, we distinguish between anaerobic and aerobic bacteria. And of course, the anaerobic are the bad guys because we always find them at the scene of the crime. And uh, when you observe anaerobic bacteria, they throw out these filaments that is designed to bring in oxygen. So it's not like they're bad guys in there because they know how to live without breathing oxygen. No, they're there to bring oxygen in. And that's been verified. So please yeah. continue. It's, it's just right on. And this is this is basic proven stuff. And we're living in a world where everything's got to be killed. Everything is anti. Nothing in nature is anti. No. You know, it's, it's all it's a lot of the people we're talking about. Well, this is this is antibacterial. This this herb, this plant is antibacterial. No, it's probacterial. 
right? It's there to help the bacteria, you know? So we really got to work on our words. And we've talked about it in the past where, you know, Emoto and Gerald Pollock have really proved in a lot of ways, you know, water has memory and emotions, your words mean something. So I believe certainly with the alternative practitioner, by them calling their herbs or their oils antibacterial, antifungal, antiparasitic, they're weakening the energy of that herb before they even put it in the body. So we really need to start understanding more about how the microbiology works. Just like you said, anaerobic, aerobic, it's all there to do a job and it's all there to help you. Sorry, I get passionate about that. (laughs) (laughs) He's going, he's going. Well, and it's nice, you know, it's still for us, Bear and Mike, we want to make things simple. Dad would say health is simple. People are complicated. So if you're not sure, look at nature. What is it doing? You know, ask the farmer. If you're gardening, think about that and realize that you're not separate from that whole experience. So we have strep within us right now. We have all these things, right? And you can test with any kind of test you want that'll figure out, you can be tested for everything and anything. Why do we not have strep throat? Because of what's going on in the terrain, physically, energetically, emotionally, spiritually, what's going on all around us. So this is really fun, Bear. We really have enjoyed making these simple, basic, back-to-basic connections. You know, and it's funny because as we do this, and I hear some of this with you too, it's taking back some of this language, all right? You know, Marcelina Cravat from the Turin movie, she was saying, we need to change, you know, the V word. It's like, no, 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 we need to explain what's going on. It's ours, it's everybody's. You know, we can't, this is about this all working together in some way, shape or form. You know, good, bad and ugly, it's part of the terrain. And I am grateful for this whole ridiculousness because it's really made people conscious of their health in a huge way. And the people that, are, yeah. that, that get it, they get it. The people that don't, okay. The ones that aren't sure, there's like, they're coming over to where there's places that make sense. So we're, we're good at this point. Well, let's do this. Cause yeah, we can just get on a, on a, a roll and keep on blabbing. So we want to, <laughs> we want to know what you guys want to talk about. I'll finish up with this, that one of the best quotes I've heard recently was from a farmer and he said, regenerative is not prescriptive. It's adaptive. Yeah. And it was such an important quote there. You know, it goes back to Lamarck and everything that we teach you're not going to fix things with a protocol. You're not going to fix things with a prescription, whether, whether it's a vitamin or whether it's a pharmaceutical. So, but uh, yeah, we could roll for hours guys. Mm-hmm. So let us know what you guys would like to talk about here. <laughs> I got things to talk well, about. <laughs> Go on. Yeah. Well, I think this is a, a fantastic start. And um, as you guys know, you know, I'm a full-time farmer these days and it was just a natural extension of medicine because it really is the same exact principles. And um in, in uh, you know, both biotrain medicine and natural farming, you know, things either work or they don't. And that brings me back to, you know, what I always talk about with a lot of these theorists out there that are trying to figure things out is all you have to do is roll up your sleeves like any tradesperson and see what works. It's that simple. And uh, either people get better or they don't. Things grow or they don't. Now, maybe that's just anecdotal, but in my experience, when it happens hundreds and hundreds of times over and over and over and over and over years, and then I you know, pick the brains of my colleagues that are doing similar things, they say, yeah, that's my experience too. Well, you can't just discount that. And then, of course, when you contrast with what's going on in the conventional system where people keep getting sicker and stupider, then you know, there just might be something there. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, and there's a couple things, then, you know, there's, there's a couple- say, the, the only way to validate what he, what he, you know, did was that people got better, right? Yeah. We've had marketers say, well, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> yeah, just because people and, are alive. 
And, and let me ask you, any of uh, the clients that your dad um, treated successfully, did any of them complain after they got better? Did they care how they got better? No, they were just better. Yep. And they're appreciative. And also they walk away with an expanded consciousness from the experience of, oh, yes. I didn't die like the other guy told me I was going to in two weeks. And I'm, <laughs> in fact, I feel better than before I got the diagnosis. You yeah. know, that's all they need to know. Yes. Yes, totally. Well, we've got a new one. Like uh, my girlfriend, Anna, and I are doing uh, Anna Maria Oliva is awesome. Um, scientist. She's a PhD in biomedicine and uh, an engineer. She's lectured with Bruce Lipton and Joe Dispenza and these things. She's, she's a superhero in the Spanish world. Uh, we're doing a lecture. And the idea is, why do we get sick? Sick, getting sick. And this is funny because you, you said this a moment ago. Every time you got sick, everyone listening, Every single time something happened, you got better. It's not like you got sick and died once, right? Okay. So what is the deal? Why is this a bad thing? When I get sick, my body is telling me to stop and relax. It's trying to communicate with me. So I have symptoms. I don't like to throw up. I don't like to sweat. I don't like to have pain. However, that's part of what goes on to get us back to where we need to be. I hurt my thumb, my thumb hurts. Eh. When there's pain and it's itching, it's, it's recovering, you know, and maybe I needed to relax physically a little bit. Maybe there's something spiritual to that too. But, or and, looking at this differently, when the children get sick, Anna noticed every time one of her children gets a fever, he lays down for a couple of days and you know what? He grows, like he actually gets taller. And where's the science here behind heat and things expanding or things changing and our temperature? Okay, a few degrees of temperature change, and all of a sudden the terrain changes, things change. So, why is this bad? Why is it when you have diarrhea, do you want to stop that crap up? <laughs> Your body wants to get it out, right? So, we really need to think about that. Why do we get sick? And is that a bad thing? All right, changing the words. And also, there's a couple of things. I got a video, a couple of videos, but I'll show you that I want your, your thoughts on as he runs away. <laughs> um, to connect dots, okay? We talked with Gerald Pollack and we learned a lot about water. You know, it's, we've had our head on the microscope. So water is awesome. The memory, cool, we're 80% water. Why, when you cut yourself, do you not gush out, right? So that's interesting. It holds memory. Water creates energy. He's showing us water lighting a light bulb. You know, that's interesting. Water moving through these naphion tubes and creating energy. Well, we've got tubes, we've got water, it's creating energy. All right, he's talking about light creating energy. Uh, he's talking about, or Anna's talking about piezoelectricity and the feet and the bones creating energy, right? Oxygen's important. There's no talk of symbionts. All right, if we do this, and this is a new thing of mine, guys, I, I'm gonna lay puzzle pieces out. Okay, what can we put do to put these puzzle pieces together? I can see it, I try to push and I can't. So we have learned through dad, ideas like platelets are a plant that lives within us symbiotically. There's no human DNA in a platelet. If it's a plant, well, don't plants inhale what we exhale and exhale what we inhale? So is there oxygenation happening? Well, John Stuart Reed did an experiment with blood isolated, they were singing to it, and it was changing. And I was on with Kaufman. He talked about this and they saw the chymatic images. They saw, you know, geometry in the blood. They stopped the noise and the, the image was still there. 
So the coloring of the blood had changed. And Kaufman says, wait, so hemoglobin, you know, in science, <laughs> it's oxygenating. And he says, yes, we measured it and the oxygen levels go off the charts. Okay, so now we have light creating energy. If the bions or symbionts, if they're light particles potentially, is that creating energy in life in combination with platelets? With what Gerald Pollack knows, I mean, this is the deal now, guys, is connecting these dots. This is the jam session. Bear, you're, you get deep. And guys, you'll laugh at this. We had Bear on our first School of Health webinar and asked one question within the first five minutes. I went, uh-oh, what's he talking about? <laughs> <laughs> like science, science, science. I was like, oh my God. But it comes back down to some simple understanding still. So for you, Bear, you know, when I put these puzzle pieces out, uh, we know symbionts, we've observed exosomes, stem cells. I know in the bone marrow, Josh, the red cells are created. We have symbionts that help create who we are and help us decompose. Where do the exosomes come in with the stem cells? Do they give us the instructions as we all have the ingredients to be who we are? But at some point, the stem cell becomes the liver cell and the kidney cell. Is that exosomes that are helping with the instructions and the symbionts? You know what I mean? You see, we are seeing these pieces. How do we put this stuff together? And the terrain is the one thing that really brings it all together. You know, we're seeing symbionts in the soil and things like that. So that's kind of my, my goal right now with what we do. Josh is getting pieces to the puzzle. We have new pictures. We have new videos. Awesome. We're connecting with you guys, with other people. So how do we really jam on this? You know what I mean? With what you know, what we know, with what Gerald Pollack knows. And when he was with us, you know, we said, we looked at his blood um, and we said, you know, images. And he's talking about Veda Austin. And I, I flipped on an image in the screen of the kidney. And he went, wow, you know, it's like if I have Eddie Van Halen and my, you know, to come do a, a lecture, I'm not going to go, hey, look what I can play. Yay. I want him to play. So Gerald Pollack, it's not that I was going, look at us. However, he has such a big piece to the puzzle that is very substantial and solid and accepted. We need to connect with that. And he is aware of symbionts, but how do we do that? You know what I mean? I mean, I think we have awesome pieces of the puzzle awesome pieces. What next? We need to have these conversations. We need to connect you with Artur Sala. We, have, we were on with him the other day, and this guy is alchemist extraordinaire. What happens when you guys get in the room and jam? I did a webinar once for people listening. This is interesting. Uh, a jam session. I had Andrew Kaufman on with Dr. Pablo Compra. You know who Dr. Pablo Compra is? He's the Quinta Columna guy who was the originator of the whole, uh, <clears throat> can I say the word? I don't know, yeah. graphene, is in, graphene is in my wetsuit. <laughs> yeah. We'll just tag that to a yeah. sentence. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what a jam session though. You know, to listen to sit as a fly on the wall and listen to those guys go back and forth. And you know what came out of it was a deeper understanding on Kaufman's side of where things are coming. And it, it helped him go a certain direction. Um, I want to do that with you, Bear, as we have Josh here. You know, what, how can you help us solidify these connections and build these bridges. So much more studies need to be done on the microzyma itself. Um, Artur said that at one point, and most times throughout history, there is no more than one scientist or person studying microzymas. Hmm. And that, that was it, right? And this is the fundamental missing link that I've seen across everything. Even the farmers don't understand why the microbiology is there in the first place, what's creating the bacteria. And that all comes back to this little microzyma. 
So these are the connections that need to be made because um, this is where we're going to get the crossover. Um, the way I'm looking at platelets now is a little different. Dad always said, physicians underestimate the power of the platelet. It is more than just there for blood clotting. All right. He talked about, yeah, being a plant there to help us heal. We monitor people's inflammation by looking at their platelets. The size of them tells us something. Then the number of them tells us something. There's a fundamental misunderstanding of how platelets work and their importance. So as I'm starting to watch some videos and stuff on, you know, from traditional medicine, how the platelets work and you, know, you, you injure yourself, body sends platelets there to help you heal and the fibrin comes out of it. Well, I'll be damned if the fibrin doesn't look like a whole mycelium network, right? So it's like we have these living plants in our body and are we a living plant? It certainly seems like it to some degree, but the more I understand about platelets, it just, it really enhances what we already know, but it's a, it's a piece of the puzzle that literally nobody is talking about. I think the hardest part of our message outside of germs don't cause disease is getting people to realize that inflammation is not bad for you. You know, I saw scientists are trying to isolate the inflammation gene so they can eradicate it. <laughs> right? It's like, there you go. Life over. You're dead. <laughs> right? um, yeah. You have nothing there to actually help you heal. So everything's an anti-inflammatory. So I talked to one of the farmers, uh, Alan Williams, on the side because he mentioned um, inflammation being the cause of disease. And I said, mm, you know, it's inflammation is good. Trapped inflammation is where we have issues. It'll be trapped by injuries, surgeries, things like that. And he says, yeah, he's been trying to figure out a way to incorporate that into his lectures because he knows people aren't quite going to get it. And what he's kind of come up with now is acute inflammation is good for you. Chronic inflammation is, is an issue, which was a, a different way of looking at it. But the more that we can talk with people like you and Artur, um, we could start to put these puzzle, puzzle pieces together to really enhance our message. And I'm learning more from the farmers these days than I am from doctors. So thank God we're on mm -hmm. here with you today, Bear. <laughs> You know, the uh, the thing I think that we really need to bring into the discussion is um, is a lot of uh, findings that we can get through lab studies as well as microscopy. Microscopy is fantastic because you just observe yep. and you can really conjecture a lot of things from it. Right. Um, but in uh, if you're doing the right kind of labs that extrapolate um, molecular biology to electricity, which is why I made the big jump into all the waveform mechanics and all that stuff. Because, you know, you guys are talking about points of light and all these things. Maybe those are what the seeds of these organisms really are. Well, if, uh, in my opinion, if you don't understand waveform physics, which actually explains how matter is precipitated, including all living organisms, including microorganisms, then we're really only going to get so far. That's why I always default back to, you know, uh, different kind of studies and try to triangulate and get different findings. And yeah. more often than not, they all point in the same direction. Mm -hmm. um, could you maybe talk a little bit about, since you brought up platelets, because I think this is a huge thing myself, I always have, um, maybe the connection with uh, them and one of these uh, little actors in our body called mucoracemosis. Mm -hmm. You know, when I... Um, do uh, studies on people's blood, uh, I would do a lot of challenging. That's just what I like to do. And so I'd prepare a lot of uh, bl uh, blood slides taken you know, out of the body at the same exact time, and then challenge them with different developers. Some of these developers would be isopathics. 
Uh, some of them I hit with a laser that has uh, like the waveform of cell salts or things like that. It's just all, we just challenge them in all sorts of different ways. We challenge the body that the blood just came out of, do things to the body, watch, you know, the changes. I know, you know, we talked about all this before. But now mucor racemosis, when I would put a developer of mucor um, uh, preparation on a slide, then it would uh, immediately develop and see if I was dealing with a mucor um, terrain. And in that case, you know, you just see all this fibrin pop out and everything. It just looked like a bunch of cobwebs. And usually those were with people that were, you know, having issues related to microcirculation and so forth. So what do you guys, uh, maybe, you know, is, is a mucor working in conjunction with platelets? Are they making the platelets? What did, what do you guys think? What did dad say? Yeah, it, it all has to be working together. I mean, absolutely. I just put some in my eyes. Sorry. <laughs> Go on. Uh, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, it's one of the greatest remedies there is. And it's, it's an innate germ that we've got in our body at all times. So um, it's literally, I've watched dad pull people out of heart attacks and strokes with that. So it, it's got to do with opening up the capillary circulation. All the time. Yeah. yeah and instead of taking baby aspirin, maybe take a couple drops of mucor every day, right? Yeah, Sorry, you, go ahead. You think I know, preacher to the choir, bear. <laughs> One of those things, no matter where I go, it's in the car. Everybody I meet, here, keep this on you. You know, it's yeah. just a wonderful remedy. But yeah, it's opening up the capillary circulation. So if your circulation or your vessels are off, then, you know, the, they're going to blame it on platelet coagulation and things like that. So inherently, if there's a weakness, the body's going to send those platelets there, and then the fibrin will come out to start to patch up those areas. Um, or you could just take the mucocheal to smooth out those, those vessels to begin with, and that's going to keep things moving really smoothly through there. There, there has to be a, a connection with it. Um, you know, I can look at the way the blood um, decomposes, and that tells you whether you're going towards, uh, you know, whether you need a mucoracemosis or whether you need something on the opposite end there. So that's an easy way to see it. Um, but yeah, absolutely. With if you've got a high fibrin, you know, which is the basically the blood is breaking down, the body's breaking down, your circulation is probably going to suck and you're going to be low oxygen. So you're going to need more mucor to develop at that point in time, which is where we'd introduce the mucor. And hopefully that gives the, the system a bit of a jump start. Because even with nudge, the nudge. It, Can you guys yeah. give a little definition of mucor uh, racemosis for those in the community or in the listening that have no idea what this is? Got a definite no. dictionary? No. Yeah, it's one of our isopathic <laughs> remedies, which Bear is, is really familiar. He might be able to better explain the science behind it, but basically it's the waste product of the actual mucor racemosis germ. So just like- Because they say the mucor racemosis is like a weedy mold, from what I remember. Uh, they, they call it a mold. Well, it's a fungus. Yeah, fungus. It's a yeah. fungus. You know, they would, they, would, they would call it a mold because it's a bad thing. But no, as we know in nature, a fungus is there to do a very specific job. Um, so yeah, the isopathics, you can either get the waste products of bacteria or the waste products of a fungus. And he would usually use one of each, at least on each, on each uh, person. Um, so the bacterial is more of an acute condition and the fungal is more of a chronic condition. Um, so it's very simplistic. Um, mucoracemosis is one of those things that opens up your capillary circulation. On the opposite side of things, you can use um, notochiel, which is the waste product of penicillin. And that dries up your capillary circulation. So it's the exact opposite end of the spectrum. So if you give them this together. Is true, this is yeah. like true biohacking. This is how biohacking actually works, right? Where mm -hmm. we're taking what the function of the terrain uh, uh, via the uh, pleomorphic cycle and applying that in a way to speed up resolution. Absolutely. And I think, and, yep, go for it. Yeah. 
No, I was just going to say, um, you know, we're talking about anti-inflammatories and everything. Well, why do things hurt? It's because there's a lack of oxygen, uh, circulation is compromised. There's a buildup of, you know, acidic byproducts and things that make your tissues hurt. So now you take mucor, which was a very good, even an acute uh, remedy that I used to use for, uh, you know, different aches and pains. And, and I'd even use it topically, work beautifully. Yep. And you improve the microcirculation. It clears out all the, the acidic debris and everything. Things stop hurting. So it's just another um, verification that maybe there's not something in there causing inflammation other than you've got a freaking swamp. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Right. I think the indications on the box too, you know, the isopathic remedies once they hit the United States have indications on them that aren't necessarily what they're used for. <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, pre preferkeel, which is one we use to, for the gums says for relief of external anal itching, Rectal itching. <laughs> you know, yeah. people are going to run this on my gums. Well, you know, um, yeah. but mucor does yeah. say for arthritis on, on the box there, but yeah, it's one of those things that, and I wouldn't call it an external input too much of medicine and farming these days is based on an external input, you know, whether it's people taking their vitamins. One thing I like about what you're selling bear is you're not really selling vitamins and supplements. You know, you've got your, you're selling things that you grow. You're selling parts of nature is what you're doing, as opposed to having some lab extract, extract what they would call a vitamin, and give it to you. So with these germs that we were using, most of them are in our body at, at all times. So you're not introducing anything that's foreign to the body and the way they get in there and regulate is just beautiful. They're not attacking anything. They're just regulating things and helping the body to helping the train. Sorry. Yeah. And I'll just say about the inflammation, like for me, I, I've had some really bad inflammation in my, um, in my hand here from all the years of computer work. And, you know, that would be called chronic. And the thing that's helped it the most, and I think it's just helping the terrain heal faster, I guess, is surfing because of the cold water. Cause I surf in 48 degree water up here. So, um, that, is interesting, right? That cold, and maybe it's also the water and the salinity and all those different elements. I found like I've done all this different stuff and literally one session of surfing totally takes all the inflammation and pain away. Yeah. It, so, it also could have something to do with just having some fun. Just going to say that bear, how relaxed are you when you're out there surfing? <laughs> Come on. Well, it's, this like, is oh. No, this is good. This is physical. This is energetic. This is emotional and spiritual. Like surfing, you are you are in perfect symbiosis with nature. Your wrist is moving with no resistance, depending on what's going on with the water. That's the best exercise. Swimming, you're free, and you're having a blast. I mean, come on, this is the deal. Why do we get sick? We're not just biochemical, right? We're not just physical. We're much more than that. Yeah, that's good stuff, Mike. That's really awesome. It's so simple. Okay, this all day is not fun. Yeah. Right. It's not a great position. We're not potatoes. We're not supposed to be vegetating. We're supposed to be moving, using it or losing it. So really simple that way. And what Josh said is interesting with us still. I asked this question. I have all the gold. I have the isopathics. I've got the stem cells. I've got the cell therapy. I've got exosomes and stuff. I take nothing. Why? Because I've done this a lot. I've walked my walk as I talk the talk. And what I get, what I need, I get from my environment, my terrain, my food. I mean, this the mucochiel experience is, and I asked Artur this, it's like, why if our body creates it, would our dad give it to you? Well, dad would say, sometimes it's just that gentle nudge. These are isopathics, there's minute, minute doses. All right, and biohacking is interesting, Mike, because it's, yeah, if you know what's going on, 
you don't have to introduce really anything or just that slight thing. Someone actually at once, uh, who was it, Josh, or doesn't make a difference, took one of our remedies, our cell cocktails that we would cure people with, no one cures you, no one makes you sick, and analyzed it. And it was just water. Okay, well, we're just into placebos. No, we're not into placebos. It's, my, it's vibrational. It's minute doses. You know, and dad realized when he was diluting, things were getting more powerful. So simple, we use seven isopathics. These are things that your body creates. Artur showed us in the pleomorphic cycle. I think you showed us some of this bear too as well. The, the symbiont morphs into mucochiel, mucorosmosis, into what we need. That's beautiful. We have everything. We just need to support it physically, energetically, emotionally, and spiritually. All well, together. Think, and then, go for it. Josh, you go. Um, I think, you know, working with some of the farmers has really changed a lot of my viewpoints on these things too. So yeah, I've got the whole arsenal over here. You know, I've got cell therapy from 35 years ago. I've got porcine stem cells over here. I've got all the isopathics. <laughs> I'll take them on occasion, you know, but the focus has been more about how am I getting those things from my food and from my, you know, how am I feeding my emotions? So it's not a detriment to me, yeah. you know, and the farmers are kind of reinforcing the fact that, you know, I've kind of been anti-supplement for years, but I never really knew why. And I, I always thought, well, if it's a Band-Aid, it's okay, right? And what the farmers were actually showing is that long-term supplementation actually infects the ability of the roots to grow deep in the soil, right? So people are taking, like all these people are taking high doses of vitamin C that don't exist in nature, right? Instead of eating the freaking orange, <laughs> you know, like, like the orange is stupid and you can make that, you know, vitamin better in a laboratory. So I always thought maybe it's a band-aid at best, but I never thought that long-term it could be a really problem for you. And the farmers are, are proving that if they're supplementing the soil from above, then the plants don't have to develop those mycorrhizal connections below, right? right. They're becoming very <laughs> shallow rooted. So yeah. what the hell is going on in our body if we're doing the same thing? They almost said the same thing about compost. People were arguing with them, mm. you know, because compost is such a big deal. And they, it was interesting. They said compost is not regenerative, right? You're, you're still, and it's external input. And you're taking things that you cultivated out of the terrain and putting it into a different terrain. So you're taking a different type of microbiology and putting it into a terrain that's looking for a different microbiology. So, you know, they weren't really talking shit about it, but they said, basically, it's kind of missing the point. No pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why in permaculture, we're big fans of like chop and drop and heavy mulching, using carbon as is and yeah. using the systems and their own uh, re true regeneration with the microorganisms that exist there naturally, worms and worm farms and all worm towers, right, built in, just fostering what's already there. I agree, like bear can talk to this. We don't do composting on the alphabetic gardens. One, because the bears would go to town. But two, um, there's a higher understanding of what bear calls the electrical impedance of within the soil and all that good stuff with the natural terrain. Yeah, of it. And uh, yeah. same thing, same thing with bodies. And, and that's why, you know, I think a lot of organic farmers are really going down the wrong road too. It's like, well, I'm using organic amendments it's like, okay, yeah, there's a time and place for all that. However, uh, it's not about just dumping more organic nitrogen, phosphorus, or you know, whatever on the soil. It's about understanding electrical vectors. And in ionization analysis, you can do very precise measurements and then use uh, just a, a, a ridiculously low amount of amendments that are not intended to add nutrition or anything, but they are intended to 
create a shift in the uh, line of resistance. So now you're doing it to create a compatibility between the soil and the rootlets as far as micronage. And so not only does it work better, but also uh, you build soil up better over time yeah. and it's a lot cheaper. The same thing with bodies. That's why, uh, you know, just like you guys, yeah, we got all this good stuff and we use it to nudge. On the other hand, if you don't have a way to measure the line of resistance in a body or the soil and then operate from that understanding, which is creating coherence from the progenitor forces of creation in the first place so that they settle down. And, you know, Adam, you're talking about homeopathic attenuations. The reason why dilution works, again, if you default back to alchemy and you understand the different energy matter continuum strata of, you know, that of the ether, so, so-called, uh, and the more dilute and the more you get rid of the, the physical parti uh, particulates and go right to the energetic qualities, then you don't have that drag and you can just start at those higher levels, create the coherence. And then on the ground, if the person's so out to lunch that they don't have anything, you know, then you supply some nutrition and some basics temporarily until you get the electricity right. But yeah, yeah it, it has nothing to do with just throwing in, you know, 16 grams of vitamin C a day. I got that yeah. one a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. People people get offended when you talk about their supplements, though. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah, but yeah. like you said, the way yeah. you use the way you use your things, it's, it's creating an adaptive environment, not a prescriptive environment. Right, 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 right. It's all there. It's just a question of that coherence. And it's funny because coherence is like this wooey new word. Well, you guys know what incoherent means, <laughs> right? Like the whole world knows incoherent. So you're incoherent. You don't get it. You, I think that's they live not it. connecting. <laughs> Well, yeah. Um, so coherence, that's the simple concept, you know, of all this stuff somehow working together symbiotically. And that's the bottom line is parasites attaches to a host, a host adapts. We have a symbiotic relationship. Nature, we need the parasites. It's, this is all part of it. So I think this is, yeah, this is cool. What I, you know, I think, what should people be doing? We have some food growing and it's funny because Anna is growing lettuce and I love lettuce. Yeah, I love salad. Uh, it's a new thing for me as much as I love meat. Um, so uh, the lettuce is getting weird. What's going on? The ants came in and they ate stuff and it's, you know, the lettuce is bolting and it doesn't taste good. And I started harassing her like, man, you're doing it wrong. And she says, I'm not doing anything. I threw some seeds out. And I thought, oh, that's different. That's interesting. So now we can observe and see what happens. So I encourage people, you know, you guys are doing it. Um, everyone should be doing something along these lines. You know, how do we make these connections back to our roots? Well, put your hands in the damn soil, okay? And this is an interesting one too. Here's a couple of new things that went on with us. Uh, and I'm gonna tell Crystal's story, Josh, which is interesting because Anna's student had the same story recently. Um, a student of ours in Australia, Crystal, awesome. Uh, 10 year old daughter, is she 10, Josh? 10, 12, uh, <laughs> jumps, jumps in the pool backwards, hits her head face on the wall and pool, whatever, knocks her two front teeth out. Okay. Uh, she's texting or she's emailing. Oh my God, crisis. We're not crisis people, you know, nine, call 911. Uh, well, dad was a crisis guy. You know, we're about health and wellness. What do we do? Josh says, oh my God, what do we do? Um, let's think about this. Well, she is a farmer. She has animals. She's worked with the land. Uh, the dentist wants to do antibiotics to kill everything. So there's no infection. And then they'll put in fake teeth. 
and bolt them in there until everything just solidifies. Well, first, well, she, she put the teeth back in herself. Well, she didn't. Did she do that initially? Yeah. Yeah. She put the okay. teeth in herself and she packed it with comfrey, basically. So, well, she thought. She thought. Yeah. She <laughs> used her mind with the, she said the goats. Like she had a te- teeth problem, dental problem with the goats. And she did little tea bags, Josh, with comfrey and cabbage to do what? To support this growth of the bacteria. And yeah, she put the teeth back in. Uh, were the roots there? Yeah, the roots were there. Her friends actually swam down in the pool and got the teeth out of the pool. And how basic is this? She put the roots back in the soil. Okay, well, you can't do that. The dentist says you can't do that. They're going to die. Well, she did it. And she told the dentist, put the little wires, hold the teeth there and just do it. Well, as a few weeks go on, no, her teeth are not dying. It seems as though the roots are starting to reroot. And I said, it was funny. Anna said, oh my God, call her, text her, say, tell her daughter, do not ever tell her daughter that you can't do that. Like her daughter never heard, you can't do that. So it's happening. Now I'm so excited. This is so common sense. You put the roots back in the soil and they grow. Dentist says, no, not going to happen. Let's kill everything in the soil. Well, story was recently, something's going on. The dentist says the roots are not, that they're dying. We'll find out and we'll keep you posted. However, Anna mentioned the story and one of her students said, oh my God, we did the same thing. The kid's tooth got knocked out. We jammed it right back in there because the root was there and it's fine years later. So what do we think we know? It's, in, it's interesting because when we had Steve Davidson on and if you got a chance, Barry, he's the greatest osteopath in the world. So it's from probably from the same planet as you and my father, okay. just, just does things differently. And we kept talking about, sometimes we get an nutritional medicine and they haven't cured anything. He says, well, that's their truth, right? This is their truth. This, that's all they know. So this dentist told her, well, they're going to die. Right. And here's antibiotics. Well, that's their truth. And they're going to guarantee you that's the truth. If you take that route, right? You need the microbiology there to help those roots heal. So what do you want to do? You want to take antibiotics and try to kill that microbiology, you're guaranteeing that those teeth probably aren't going to be able to adapt. And then you're causing other pleomorphic issues down the road as we go down the road of homotoxicology and the, whatever that bacteria was there in the first place, the antibiotic can't kill it. It just morphs into something else that's a little more deeper down. So it's their truth. And if she would have went that path, it would have guaranteed that those te- teeth are dying. We do have to check back into her, but at least with her train of thought, it was giving the body a chance to heal those areas. Right. Well, and here's a, here's a call out, what do we call this? A call to action in, of sorts. Uh, we're, we're learning, all right? We need someone to learn a little more about the eyes, okay? Josh had an yep. issue the other day with something with the eye, and well, there's the fear, and you know whatever goes on, the doctor says, this is the deal, you're gonna have it forever. And Josh is like, well, I don't accept that truth. So, um, you know, unfortunately, dad was an eye surgeon. He's not here with us. So talking to the audience and to you, Bear, um, we need to find some people that are aligned. You know, we found the body workers. We get some dentists' uh, eyes. And Steve Davidson did some, he's doing osteopathic prescriptions where he's changing people's eyesight because a lot of- fascinating. Did we talk about this last time, Bear? Uh, A little bit. Go ahead, though. Okay. Yeah, he was doing osteopathic eye prescriptions. As you said, there's many different lenses in the eye and they're giving you a prescription based on a certain lens. So by giving you glasses based on that prescription, it's guaranteeing you that your eyes are going to get weaker over time, but it's yeah. also starting to warp your sphenoid bone, right? Which is something Thanks. I hadn't heard. 
Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, first off, corrective lenses. It's like wearing a cast on your leg for six months. How do you feel when you take the damn thing off? Yep. But uh, the the next part is more interesting. Go ahead. So what what he was doing, and I'm I'm still a work in progress. I wore the glasses because um, Adam tells me I look more official when we do these webinars. <laughs> <laughs> but when That's I good. when I went in to see him, um, you know, I was uh, I was reading something. Uh, there was a a letter on the wall from a doctor who had been to see Steve for the osteopathic prescription. The guy was kind of a non-believer. And he said, he gave him this prescription, you know, that he filled. And the first month he had it, it was really weird to adjust. And he, he wasn't sure what was going on with his eyesight, but he noticed his sinus issues started to go away and his brain was clearer. Right. So cognitively he, he was doing much better. Right. And then, so Steve, he tweaked his prescription again and his eyesight's great. He doesn't need glasses. You know, Steve went from a plus two to not needing glasses. And I actually got my eyes checked yesterday. And since Steve worked with me once, my eyesight's improved. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, to doing the next steps. But it was a different way of looking at things that made a whole lot of sense to me. It's like we weren't taught this. You know, and this here is just another Band-Aid. But it's like I said about supplements, it's a Band-Aid that's inhibiting our body to ability to heal down the line. So it's, it's a work in progress. But the theory or the paradigm of it made total sense to me. So I'm going to keep going down that path there. When I went to see him, he had me read the eye chart on the wall. I couldn't read shit without my glasses on. He, he worked on me, I think, for 20 minutes, barely touched me. And afterwards, I could read. I was almost 2020 afterwards. I mean, my eyes hadn't read that great in a while. It's, it's yeah. fallen back a little so bit here, since then because I still have work to do. But it was it was an eye opener. <laughs> I'm literally reading Take Off Your Glasses <laughs> so, and See. I'm literally reading, rereading Bear, Take Off Your Glasses and See right now. Awesome. Because I've been having a little bit of issues with my eyes, which is by Jacob Lieberman, who's a, uh, we had on the show, if you guys are familiar with him. Mm -hmm. And he talks about essentially all of this, that our eyes are a muscle, they need to be worked. And, and when we coddle them with this sort of stuff, it just, as Bear says, it's like keeping a cast on. But we also have to realize what light actually is and our relationship to light and our consciousness and how, what you guys were talking about, being a living conscious being, there's a qualitative aspect to our eyeballs that relates directly to the sun and to how we engage with light. Um, and in our modern times, we've uh, gotten away from what farmers do every morning, <laughs> why farmers are so healthy in general, like traditionally uh, farmers, because they're up early in the morning and they're getting that healthy light into their eyeballs. Yeah. Um, so anyways, uh, check it out, guys. It's on our book list, alpha, alphabetic.com forward slash book list. Awesome. Amazing. So, um, yeah, I'm going to check that out. A, quick, a couple quick comments about eyes. Mm -hmm. um, in the back of the eye, you have six different attachments, different muscles. Now, muscles are display screens for a complete neurological circuit that includes plumbing, electricity, meridian flow, and a whole bunch of other things. Now, if um, say one of those muscles is uh, shares the networks of a liver, for instance, and there's a problem in the liver, then what's going to happen is the body's going to shunt all its resources and neurological, you know, juice into that organ that keeps you alive, and it's going to shut some muscles off. In this case, it might even be that eye muscle. Now, those eye muscles are responsible for maintaining the perfect spherical shape. And if they oblate mm. or prolate, then you become uh, far or nearsighted. So in my experience, um, 
we had ways, I had ways to test the eye muscles. I would, uh, you know, have people look in the direction that would activate a muscle. Then I would be able to test it secondarily with another muscle and with other ways, taking pulses, all sorts of ways to, you know, again, triangulate and find out the health of that muscle. And then also, more importantly, let it lead us to that part of the body that needed the most help. And in our experience, a lot of people threw away their glasses and everything. Once those internal problems were remedied, and then these, um, <laughs> and then the eye muscles were reactivated. The, you know, it restored the perfect spherical shape, and the eyesight improves. It's you know, this stuff is in brain surgery. Now, uh, one more thing, we talk about the sphenoid bone. Uh, the sphenoid bone for people that don't under uh, don't understand. Uh, if you take this little indention here. Uh, in both sides of the forehead, if you want to adjust the sphenoid as a um, osteopath, which you know I did many, many times, uh, you know it can be um, angled this way, this way. It can be back this way, this way. And we're talking about microscopic movements that make a huge difference. You know, we're not talking about a subluxated bone or something in that extreme. But what you need to do mostly is restore motion. And you know, you'll sometimes you'll be fixated in a certain motion. There are many reasons why that happens going all the way to the psycho-spiritual, which we'd have to address too. Yeah. But let's look at that sphenoid bone just mechanically. Okay, if it's off a little bit, another thing in the middle of that sphenoid bone, because it's a, a continuous bone, it looks like a butterfly and it continues all the way through your head. Now, uh, there's a little indentation in the middle of it, we call it cella tersica, and that's where the uh, important glands in the brain, you know, pituitary and all those guys actually rest. Now, if that motion um, is stagnated or distorted, then that is going to affect the entire uh, neurology. Now that also, uh, you have the ventricle between the pituitary and the pineal when you have the third ventricle that has the cerebral spinal fluid, which is why osteopathy is so important. And I know your dad was a big believer in it too, but then that also interferes with the circulation of that fluid, which then is going to interfere with the electrical conduction. Now, going back to eyes, and I'll finish up here, eyes are a neurological pole. And that, uh, that part of our sensory apparatus, and there's 12 senses, not five, but that part of our sensory apparatus is directly connected through resonance through, uh, with a particular constellation, which is Aries. And that creates the whole resonance that now is going to create perfect neurology for your eyesight. And eyesight is also a two-way affair. You know, we are receptive. That's how we see things. But our eyesight, the other uh, polarity is we're supposed to be projecting our vision and creating out into the world with our eyesight. We have become dormant on that half. So it also affects the ability of us just to see, you know, real coherently uh, just on that one pole that's the receptive part of the pole. So that's why osteopathy, the movement of bones, uh, you know, the uh, the play, the part that plays with the circulation of cerebral spinal fluid, how it affects electricity, how it affects our ability to pick up the resonance from the constellations, which are, um, you know, uh, sensory apparatus is actually an extension of in the first place. We need to know all of these things 
And uh, that's why, you know, not only do we need to pick each other's brains, but we need to go back into the literature of folks, you know, living back in the 1600s that knew all this shit in the first place. Right. Yeah. Right. But that's, yeah. that's, oh, thank God for you, Bear. Um, that, that <laughs> Bear. Was, that was just awesome. You know, it's very rare that I, I learn much these days, especially as far as practitioners go. And, uh, you know, all of that obviously resonated with me. You know, we, we talked about, I know the liver component of, of the eye. I know with, if I'm on an eye issue, there's something I'm not seeing. So yeah. the way you kind of tied that together was, was just beautiful. And, uh, or don't want to see right? needed to hear it. It was a sore subject with my dad. He had such PTSD from being an eye surgeon problem from Vietnam that literally you'd ask him about eyes and he would just didn't want to talk about it. You know, he'd say, he would say, go to the osteopath, you know, take pressure off the eyes. You know, if you're missing teeth, get, get your mouth stabilized. So that the writing reflex isn't a problem there, you right. know, but in general, we couldn't get great answers on them. And uh, yeah, I re really appreciate that. We're going to have to delve into it, that a little more. It also is interesting to go back into this idea of light and how mainstream science just tries to say it's photons and all this. But when we come into what Bear was hinting at with waveform mechanics, understand there's this idea of the inner light and how this works with like Gerald Pollock's idea with the force phase of water and that interaction of the inner light with the blood and the water and the hol holography of the terrain, how that inner in you know interacts with the eyes from the inside out and how we project out. So there's this is a really exciting where science should be going and needs to be going. Yes. yes. <laughs> it's I can't I I can't believe how much of a miracle or a, a intelligent experience this is. I mean, we think this is awesome and we keep learning. It's like I'm so excited that I have this body. You know, I love eating crappy food and I do my balance. I get up in the morning and it's like, <laughs> oh, my stomach is a little weird. And then my bathroom is awesome. And I'm like, good job, team. We're a team, you know, and I listen. OK, we're going to do some salad, you know, but this is this is simple stuff. And there's all this little information out there. One sec, Josh, real quick. Uh, I read somewhere or Anna was talking about they introduced sunglasses to different like native tribes and things like that. And then there were instances of skin cancer. Mm -hmm. like you're you're yeah and i i have some eye things going on i did the lasik 20 years ago you know so did i uh, did you it was and dad wouldn't let me do it for years it was finally it was great well i have some eye issues now is it a result i don't know but i'm not putting on my sunglasses are you getting i don't wear sunglasses either have you gotten any floaties or anything like that any like sort of stuff in your vision especially when it's kind of overcast i kind of get some little that's what i'm dealing with yeah. right now and i don't know if it's from the lasik one thing about interesting the pre-lasik um sort of thing they wanted you to do is they wanted you to put antibiotic drops in your eyes if you remember to, yeah. and i didn't i did colloidal i talked to bear i called bear this is like 2012 yeah. bear this is the protocol they want he's like nope don't do that just tell her yeah. you did but yeah. i did colloidal silver and i did a, a ton of coconut oil in my coffees and stuff Mm -hmm. And after I had the surgery, you have to go to the doctor to check your eyes, a traditional, you know, uh, eye doctor. And she was, she's like, I've never seen healing this fast after LASIK. What <laughs> yeah. did you do? And I was like, I don't just, know, uh, you know. <laughs> she actually asked just, you. Just a, just a quick comment on colloidal silver. It works brilliantly, but I don't use it to kill germs. It has an yeah. energetic quality, which is why I use it. And I also don't use colloidal silver with actual particulates. I have uh, uh, um, a technology uh, with four prongs that actually creates the waveform of silver. And Mike's seen it. You know, you put it in water. It's uh, discovered by or innovated by a gentleman in um, 
Australia, just a brilliant guy. And we make them over on this end. And, uh, and you see just regular water get all cloudy and everything within about five minutes. And it actually has the waveform of silver works uh, at a much more elevated energetic level without any of the possible contamination of silver particulates. Anyway, well, but I, we're I not using this to kill germs. Bear, I brought up the silver drop specifically to get to that. And so I was oh. just, yeah. So um, I, I don't see it as an antibacterial agent, but I'm wondering, so is this, this silver, is this, it has to do with the electrical nature of the microorganisms? Yeah. And then, you know, we can get into different waveforms of different elements. Sorry, gentlemen, real quick, uh, you know, silver, gold, they all have different resident qualities. And if you know when to use what, it, especially if you have a way to customize it for an individual, then you can, you know, use these quite successfully. Silver is, is wonderful. Nice. Yeah. Well, you know what I put in my eyes? Nucleal eye drops. There you go. Yeah. Right. Which is hilarious. That, that because, would be my. Yeah. Yeah. That well, it's just hilarious because it opens up the capillary circulation. So I put eye drops in, and my eyes get red, <laughs> as opposed to the visine, you know, experience. Right. Well, um, it's interesting that we're going down. And no, you know, I love being on your show because I learn. You know, and it needs to be discussion. But I feel like I come away from these just knowing so much more, and it, it reinforces what we believe, anyways but you're putting puzzle pieces together for us that I, I really appreciate. I know our, our, you know, our viewers appreciate as well. And as we were talking about the eye and I knew it was happening because I wasn't seeing something, but you know, I still go back to some of my training, get to the osteopath. There's gotta be something wrong with your structure and this and that, but you know, the, there was the emotion behind what was going on that triggered the issue with the eye. So what is a damn floater? If that's not the greatest distraction there is for your eyesight, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm so busy looking over in the periphery that I'm missing what's right in front of me. So right. it's kind of reinforcing that I'm definitely not seeing something right now. Um, and I'm being distracted. So and thank stay you. focused. <laughs> yeah, well, stay focused. This is this is the universe, the coherence, all this helping guide us. I really believe that. My car accident was guiding me. The floater guides you. All these little things, there's there for a reason. You know, and it's, um, and this is fun. You know what we're doing? We're jamming. Yeah, we're jamming. I love it. Um, well, and I, we have some cool, a couple of new pictures we'd love to share with you guys. Um, and I, Josh, I got those videos awesome. that Fiona had of that little protozoa thing. I want to show that. And do we have what... the Rife one also? Because the comparison with the Rife, it's cool. We'll, we'll talk oh, about yes. that when you, when you show mm. the protozoa. Um, you guys true. have the ability to share a screen if you want. I'd love to get into this. And I was actually cool. going to ask if if you guys have done holographic blood for blind people or people with serious eye afflictions and what you've seen. Yeah, I wonder if I can. I'll see if I can send you the picture of the eye. I have. Oh, it's on my computer. Yeah, we've got an incredible picture of an eye with the actual optic nerves. Um, that yeah. if I can't bring it up, um, we'll, we'll somehow get it to you can see it. But yeah, we, we've dealt a lot with that we've had certainly have some some blind people um dad as reluctant as he was was usually able to improve eyesight but he did it in conjunction with some of the neural therapy and some of the osteopathic work and then he would talk to them about the emotional aspect of things but yeah it's something we, we certainly have have worked with um yeah. in the past yeah. i'll see if and, i can get and, the picture. and for those listening right now just so you know we did do alpha cast one with um the biggelson brothers that we go 
into the fundamentals of the holography of yeah. the blood. We go over a lot of slides, the whole process and everything. So if you, this is new to you, please, if you even want to hit pause right now and go watch that one, I guess I should have said that at the very beginning yeah. or wait to, or go watch it after this one, because we really dive deep into the whole Biggleson method and everything they do and how just impactful and amazingly powerful it yeah. is in terms and of how it's helped people heal. And Josh, while you're bringing that up, you know, you mentioned neurotherapy. That was a real, real important uh, technology that I use very often in my uh, clinic days. Yep. And if we understand the connective tissue is a matrix that conducts electricity, that's what it really is. You know, we think of acupuncture as these perfect little conduits, these lines and everything. No, it's actually the whole, it's regions. You know, the Japanese meridian therapy gets closer to the truth and also merges more with the understanding that osteopaths have. So that's why I uh, ended up leaning towards Japanese meridian therapy rather than traditional Chinese medicine, as they call it these days. And um, so neurotherapy, you inject uh, procaine, sometimes isopathic, sometimes other things into an area of the matrix that is not conducting electricity or blockaded in certain ways. Like when you had your tonsils injected, I would imagine that was a neurotherapy injection. So uh, yeah, a brilliant therapy that all medics should be trained in. Absolutely. And I'll well, and we, be back on that for half a second. Cause yeah, yeah. I, it's one of those things that was very divine to us. Yeah. And that was one of the things I was mortified about when I moved up to the Seattle area and saw how they were doing neural therapy, a massive amounts of procaine, right? <laughs> massive amounts of procaine. I don't think oh. we ever used more than one CC of procaine, maybe a couple of CCs at the most. It was just a, no. a way to open up the yeah. circulation and it was a way to, you know, to, to, it's almost like an anesthetic, make the shot not hurt, hurt so much, but so over-reliance yeah. on that. Um, so generally the person was walking out of their stoned. They would say, I love my doctor. It's not your doctor is your pusher. You're, you're stoned at your board right now, you know? Yeah. And then yeah. the lack of body work with it was the biggest thing that dad made the connection with the needle goes into your body. Your body says, what the hell are you doing to me? And goes immediately into sympathetic mode. Right. right. It feels like it's being attacked. The osteopath, the body worker has to come in afterwards and do a little bit of body work. We kept doing these slides and I'd say, okay, you need the crown of thorns. You need the head treated or you need the Frankenhausers. And they say, I've had that seven times. It's like, okay, right. then how come it keeps showing up? No body work involved. So we actually had to treat people for their neurotherapy trauma. <laughs> right. So yeah. very I, uh, I only use one CC, you know, it's just uh, procaine is a very benign substance. But I agree, um, you know, if you're using more than one CC, you really aren't getting how it works in the first place. Yeah, yeah. it kind of hurt my heart to see it done. It was, uh, and you got to get the hands on the person afterwards. You got to, you got to bring that person back in a parasympathetic mode and realize it wasn't being attacked. Was that the German guy up in uh, Bellevue there that you're it, talking about? It, it might have been. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, there's a teaching there's a teaching that's happening and that's that's yeah, the it, was, uh, it, yeah, was, yeah it was a very yeah. demoralizing experience and you could see why yeah. big parts of biological medicine are, is failing and it's directly coming from those teachings i believe yeah yeah well and, and this I is a, same experience. Yeah. well it's important for people listening too because i remember the one consultation and we looked at the blood and said well you need your scars treat as neural therapy and the woman said i've had that we need some body work. I've had that too. It's like, okay, yeah. so, well, Biggleson said neural therapy, but I did that and body work and I did that. But the thing is, did you do it in the right order? Like dad said, there's a law and order to nature. And if you had neural therapy, if you had eight CCs and were high, then, well, that's not what we're talking about. 
I never, I was never high off procaine. That was a really weird experience for me, <laughs> you know, where it's good. I do neural therapy. <laughs> I was like, Oh, this is weird. Uh, so food you for just, thought. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you just you just isolated the most important thing, which is sequencing. And I don't know of anybody in the trades out there that's any good that doesn't know that you have to do things in a certain order. You know, if you're working yeah. in as a contractor or a plumber, and right. uh, you know, medicine, even the the best of the the natural guys out there, it's just you know they're just throwing shit out there and seeing what yeah. sticks to the wall. You know, right. it's like no, you have to have a way to customize it. And then let the body tell you when to do what and how much to do it and when it's successfully been done. Yep, and yes. with that, you default to neurology and it will tell you everything you need to know. It was right. killing me up there because we'd look at the blood and say, all right, this appendix scar, it's all over the blood. This is what needs to be done. And the doctor would come out saying, well, he had a gallbladder scar also. And then he removed his kidneys. So I did that too. And I'm wondering why there's an exorcism on the table right now. You know, the body wasn't ready for that, you know, and that's where I was introduced. It took it was 2014. I got introduced in the world of a healing crisis. I had never seen a healing crisis before. Yeah. And we're taught that that's a good thing. It's not a good thing. <laughs> it means the doctor does not know what he's doing and he's pushing the wrong damn buttons. Yeah. You know, and I was saying, thank it, you. Yeah. Let's say that. Iotrogenic death is like the third largest reason for death in this country. So <laughs> yes. thanks guys. It's amazing. It's simple. What dad said, there's a law and order to the way nature works and pay attention to that. And just because you have the tools doesn't mean you know what you're doing with them. And we're not here to tell people that no one knows what they're doing. You know, dad listened to the blood and your body told him what you needed done. If you listen to it, we don't look at our blood very often, you know, because we know how to listen to this whole experience. And what we do is the worst business model ever. We get you better. You never have to come back to us. You know, so it's, it's interesting. It's about educating and empowering people at this point, yeah. you know, and you really do have the tools. You just need to kind of think a little more critically. All right. Hold your account self accountable and don't give your power to somebody else. This is your life. You know yourself better than anyone. So think about these things. And if it doesn't make sense, well, look at it from a different angle. There's a lot of different paths to the same place and a lot of different perspectives. And people are seeing, Anna would show that picture of two people on the other side of a number and on the ground, from my view, it's six, from your view, it's nine, right? Well, if we walk around the side and we can just do this a little bit, you know, without any ego and think, huh, you know, with Josh's eye, what is he not wanting to see, you know, and things like that. It's the same with me. My, I have an eye issue. What am I not seeing or looking at? So the conversations with ourselves are important really acknowledging who we are, what we've come from. And this is a miracle. This is a, a nature is so intelligent, supporting. All right. What we did at one point, um, you sending me the images, Josh? Cool. Yep. Um, I've got a couple images. Yeah. That we want to show. And there's something it's about these seeds right now, guys, if we can plant these little seeds. So you just think about things a little differently. All right. The words, I don't like to be sick. It's not fun. It's a wonderful process that your body is doing. Like lie in bed and don't feel good, but go, okay, I needed a break. Thank you. Appreciate it. Have some chicken soup from grandma. Oh, we're not giving medical advice, right? Uh, not for, not for educational purposes. That's, that's practicing medicine without a license right there, Adam. No chicken <laughs> <Right>. soup. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but this is simple stuff, you know, and that was what dad said in the end. It's not that he thought he was that good. He wondered if he was that good or if Everyone else was just that bad or just missing the boat, you know, and you can, you can, people are getting so close. 
We've seen famous regenerative people talking about pH and they get right up to the end and they're wrong. <laughs> you know, we're very conscious of this and it's happening, but we need to not have the ego, have these conversations and think critically and connect the dots. When you make the connections, it's like the brain goes, duh. I mean, you put the roots back in the soil. So we put the roots of the tooth back in the soil. Duh, right? Um, let me, you want to share this picture, Josh, here? No, I mean, you, you've got it. You can share it with some of those other pictures. I mean, yeah, we can okay. go down the rabbit hole of pHs also, you know, but the, in the end, the pH is just a result. It's, it's not the cause. Yeah, I would, uh, I would like to hear your guys' take on pH, well, but go did, ahead and show your slide. I was just going to say, we did do the whole pH thing on the first alpha cast too. Went nice. pretty deep into that. We did. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, How yeah, people we, have we, it exactly we, wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly the whole alkaline versus acidic thing and how, what your father found with cancer yep. yeah yeah well it was even interesting about with our tours work talking about the turn of the last century uh, with things like tuberculosis and leprosy and those things um, we didn't eradicate those we changed the environment the turn of the century those were things that were an acidic environment now we live in a much more alkaline environment and cancer exists in an alkaline environment not an acidic environment so we didn't eradicate things we just changed the way we rot <laughs> Right, totally. Uh, all right, I got some pictures. I'm gonna do screen share here really quick. Let's see if this works. And I have a bunch of different pictures, Josh. I'll show the one you gave me first. Um, and then you can- tell yeah, I'll just me. go narrate some of them. Okay, all right, sharing. There, so, there's the eye we were talking about. That's interesting. So uh, that was a really good one. And then the person had, the, had an eye issue, an incredible eye irritation. Um, but that was one of the cooler pictures that, that we've had. Um, Unless, like, uh, yep. I was going to say, I'm just going to scroll through a couple. So Definitely. Um, these videos at the end, I think are cool. Mm -hmm. Stomach. Is that a stomach? Mm -hmm. yep. Looks like a stomach to me. Yeah. Uh, what else we got? Oh, what's this? <laughs> you know, we're seeing so many legs and feet these days. It's insane. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. So it's really bizarre. Italian? Uh, <laughs> well, and it's funny because uh, with something like this, like, you know, you've got Eileen talking about the body electric, right? Um, is this all the electrical activity of the body? Like, are these, is this a combination of meridians and fascia? This is the leg. You know, this was the person's issue. This is a big symplast. Those cells are small around it. Look at this how is, lit up that is. It's incredible. It looks like a light show. It's the yeah. body saying, I need attention. <laughs> wow. You but know? can you see the striations too? You know, it's like, this is... Are we seeing electrical conductivity through fascia in some way, shape, or form? And is that the microzyma coming together, lighting up there? Um, you know, and what what is that? What is causing that light there? Those little good question. Lights. Oh, good as, question. As far as as far as that, I mean, as far when I see like those little debris in there, I just look at that as areas of stagnation where the flow is weak. So you've got accumulated debris in there. Now people will call it heavy metals or acute mishkas or garbage like that. We, we don't really care. Those particles are things the body needs to clean, be cleaned out. And this is showing up because the energy is stagnant and you can see by the debris in there that the area just isn't cleaning properly. But that's a good question as far as the microzymas go. Because in the holograms, we generally won't see um, the microzyma activity. We will see white cells moving towards holograms, which is fascinating. You've got a white cell, which is physical in the blood and a hologram, which is energetic in the blood, but the white cell is moving towards it to attach to it, to help it heal. And there's right. something just innately beautiful about that. You know, yeah. reading, 
reading the blood in the third element this morning, you know, his Antoine Bichamp, and this is got 130 years ago. He's, you know, postulating <laughs> that the blood is a tissue in itself, right? It's its own tissue. And that makes sense that it's all interconnected throughout the entire body. So it's one living organism, if you yeah. will. And so it's communicating through every aspect instantaneously uh, and that thus creating these, you know, creating the, if you will, the scaffolding or the um, sort of, uh, uh, what do you call it? You know, the painters paint on the- It's the, a scaffold, canvas. isn't it? Canvas. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so cool, you guys. Yeah, well, and this is, you know, for us, like I said, as we look at this, we know what we know. You know, my anatomy is limited. I'm learning, we've learned about, you know, the lymphatic system and the fascia, and it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. So looking at this, you know, I know some muscles, there's striations. Is that what we're seeing? So we need someone to look at this with the different eyes. You know, you know, Barry, you've seen more than we've seen with respect to anatomy and things like that. So this is why we need to have these conversations more with people like you. And this is our limitation too. You well, talked about, you know, being in a laboratory, Barry. And, you know, I'm just, I'm able to see these because of patterns I've viewed over the years. But in the end, it's still my interpretation. You know, so other things, other studies need to be done to validate it. That's for sure. Right, right. Well, one one thing we can say for sure is that uh, anatomy is geometry. Geometry is created by resonance, and our body on the etheric has a geometric, um, you know, shape that is caused by resonance. So now let's just say something happens to leg, you break a bone or something like that. Now what's going to happen is uh, all the healing forces of the body are going to be going into that level of resonance to fix the leg. And if that resonance is predominant, then wouldn't it make sense that it's also going to uh, maybe conjugate a lot of the actors that are in the actual leg where you'll actually be able to see imagery of that in the blood itself? It's I don't yes. think it really should stretch anybody's imagination with just a few basic principles under your belt. Right. That's and Gerald Pollack said that when we showed him the one kidney picture, you know, I had to show him something cool and he just went, wow. You know, and I said, what do you think? And he said, it makes sense. I, I mean, why wouldn't this be there? Yeah. You know, so I appreciated that from him. Well, and um, back to the geometry of it too, you know, there's these little dots that you'll see in, in the, in the blood bear that other people have called candida or yeast or even something more dumb. Oh, right. And under Nasanza's microscope, yeah. they were six-sided stars. Perfect. Yeah. Six yeah. <laughs> you know? I, yeah. Uh, I, I worked with uh, Gaston. Uh, he was doing some seminars in Toronto. So yeah. I, I, I had the uh, honored experience of working with him a little bit up there. Oh, so here's a label well, candida or yeast. Come on. Well, here's a question for you then, though, too, because we're putting pieces of the puzzle together from dad's history. And he told us when he visited Nasans that Nasans was shooting symbionts through the wall. Do you know anything about that? What? Yeah, what? Exactly. It's like, what? I asked mom. She's like, I don't know. That's weird. Mom saw talking that about that muscle, you know? Yeah. Shooting symbionts through the wall. It's like, what? I don't. And that's all we ever heard. Um, any I need a little more. I'm not. I'm not recalling. Okay. I'm not recalling. It. I my mind can kind of go into how that's possible. Sure. Uh, sure. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not recollecting that from seminars. So can you okay. elaborate with the no. wall and everything? That's all we can do. It's like we want to reach out to their that camp and say, hey, you know, what dad was with you once, you know, and or was with him once, and it changed lives. So can we have? Can we talk to you? 
I just remember in passing talking about and uh-huh. John's shooting a symbiont through the wall and it's like what, what? what did he say and realize yeah. as we grew up with this this was kind of old, old hat for us so it was just one of those things where we didn't question him a lot of the time we didn't ask him more about it now that he's gone it's like son of a bitch should have asked him that <laughs> you know let's show a couple other pictures. More so, pictures there. So chew, on, chew on that one bear we'll get our tour on that and we'll see what we can do yeah you, yeah. you've got my brain disturbed here um so we have coccyx and we got our new coccyx image that was a good one um it's nice when they really kind of match up you know um wow. this one this one what is this platelets and stuff this is like this person had something going on this is the eye and the nose and the mouth this is the whole face yeah you got white cells working on it too i don't know if there's maybe a head injury you see a little bony spot right there this is one of those ones where you know a lot of times i take pictures and i don't know what it is and, and i come back to it and then I'll, I'll figure it out and then there's a lot i just don't i don't get at all um, mm-hmm. but this one it was i didn't get it initially and i went back on it's like oh well it's obviously a side view of the face you know and they had head injuries and things like that but it was one of those things where sometimes you have to file it in the back of the brain and then usually I go back to it and it makes a lot of sense. But we do get the question a lot. Um, no, everything in the blood, I do not recognize. There's a lot in there I don't know. Um, the answer I can usually always figure out. But a lot of the holograms I'll know instantly. Some I have to think on and some I just don't know. Right. When dad say you look at the blood, you look at the person. Like, well, the person, you know, and you look and you go face, you know, injury. And they go, oh, yeah. Like they forgot to put it on the history form. You look at the know. history form. Those legs you showed there weren't on the history form. This was a great shot there <laughs> you was know. his head and, wow. head and neck was their head is this like the rock'em sock'em robot yeah <laughs> like his you know looks like his whole ear was blown out we still have debates on whether side view am i looking straight on is it his ear that was blown out or is this his eyes were being blown out in front of his face that was being blown out yeah. but uh you can see there must have there had to be a, a brutal impact on that neck there and that head yeah you know but that was a that was a fairly recent one we had that was actually pretty cool yeah this looked like a frontal head injury. One of those ones I didn't get at first either. And it's just, if you look at the face head on, you can see the whole yeah. frontal bone right there. Um, you can see the outline of the mouth, almost the sinuses there. So yeah, head injury. And there it was in the blood. And it's been cool. I've been going on, we're working on a very, very basic blood video bear because there's so much crap on there. You know, with live cell analysis, nutritional microscopy. Luckily you were trained different. We have no idea who taught dad, but it's obvious that what we do is very different than what's being taught out there. Um, so we're working on this very basic blood video, just the basics, not holograms. Um, but I'm going over our database and I've been going through 20, 30,000 pictures. So this picture is about 15 years old. And it was one of those ones that wasn't labeled, which means we didn't know what it was initially. Now you're looking back on it and I was able to bring up the history for me. You know exactly what it was. But in the moment, I didn't. But you can see the eyes and everything on that one. It was a, it was a great, great picture. I was trying to see if I had that video from our tour. Um, this one. Yeah, and of course, I just want to interject. You guys have, you know, people that are new to this in the chat and listening, you have followed up, of course, and seen the actual physiological pr- presentation of this in the in real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to. Yes. I mean, generally, back in the day, we had the client right there. And now when I, I do distance consultations, um, I ask a lot of questions because people leave very important things off the history form or things they're just not uh, aware of. So like the broken leg he showed initially, it wasn't on the history form. So I had to reach out to him. It has to match the client. It has to match the client, which is the only way we can validate what we're actually seeing. Right. Um, These days, so much brain irritation, you know, can see the brain and the brainstem there. Looks like half of that brain is supremely irritated. Um, I don't know what's going on environmentally, but people's brains are swelling these days. 
you know, when people lost their quote sense of smell and taste, it's because their brain was swollen and putting pressure on, on parts of the brain that are controlling those senses. Um, so it's been alarming the last few years, the amount of irritated brains that I've seen actually in the blood. Wow. That's, the over <laughs> people's minds exploding from all the nonsense. That's yeah. That's the one looks like exploding head. Definitely. No, that's interesting. It's a pattern yeah. that we're seeing, you know, but it'll always match. And, the um, yeah. mm -hmm. Go ahead. It's, it's interesting. You, you mentioned a demon in the brain and uh, you know, a lot of times uh, people get diagnosed with brain tumors and, uh, you know, what we're not understanding that the glial cells in the brain, you know, really proliferate different than other cells. And very often what was diagnosed as a tumor is actually uh, edematous, you know, it's just holding fluids there. And then when you get into new German medicine, of course, we, we understand how um, a trauma to the psyche will trigger the neurology in that a particular area of the brain. And then yeah. you can demonstrate that on a CAT scan and that lesion is actually full of fluids. And uh, when I manage cases clinically, um, usually it, it went without a hitch, but every so often that original lesion in the brain that purposely instigated a tissue change for the benefit and for the healing process would actually swell a little bit more. And that could actually become kind of dangerous or be misdiagnosed as a brain tumor, in which case we would actually do things like pack the head in ice and and just really monitor carefully for about 48 hours until the swelling came down, then you were out of the woods and the healing process was com complete. Right. So there's just, you know, so many things misunderstood by regular medicine. Yeah. 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 Well, and we did, uh, I'll show you these other ones. Did we talk about that with you um, the last time with the Royal Rife uh, killing the cancer cells? I don't um why don't you? I think that would yeah. be a okay. good discussion. Okay. I'm not remembering. Okay. All that. Yeah, we'll we did a of whole alpha cast uh -huh. years ago on Royal Rife. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, yeah, please go ahead. Okay. Yeah, there's a video like uh, some that we have that are interesting that I have I want your input on um, and things we've seen recently. There's one video I can't find, but let me show you a couple other pictures that Josh had sent. It was interesting with the Royal Rife one because we, we would definitely want him to talk more about that because a brilliant physician who I think his work has been misunderstood. Um, yeah, unfortunately, he's yeah, unfortunately he's been used to uh, keep us in the germ theory box. You know where we find yes. the mortal oscillating frequency to kill the germ that's right. causing everything. Mike, sorry, you I stepped over you there. Well, you no, I was something. just gonna say how I want that microscope. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. yeah we need to put some telescope together. Yeah, yeah. We know where there is one. We're not telling anybody. Um, <laughs> they, they find yes. out they, they take them away, but it wasn't exploding cancer cells. And you're not going to take care of cancer by exploding right. what they would call cancer cells. Um, but it, right. it's pretty cool. We don't have that video, but when they show the exploding cancer cell, it's not an exploding cancer cell. It's the body, it's pleomorphism. The body's reverting back to it. And, and hold that thought, body. Josh. Sorry, sorry. Okay, sorry, sorry be, before we, he gets out of control. He's a little ahead of right, himself. Um, do you want to, these last couple images, because I can get rid of these and go right to those videos. That oh yeah, that's just a quick one. This was, uh, uh, a would call this, it uh, was related to the kidneys, the kidney deficiency. We've always looked at this as an emotion, um, but this is what, very similar to what Hammer was reading on his CAT scans. Um, so we like to show that one. There was wow. a very, a very well-known live cell person who was labeling this as graphene. <laughs> so for those of you out there, this is not graphene. This is the same thing that Homer was reading on his CAT scans. It's related to an emotion, but that's more for a different class. It's got the white cell on it too. So the body is working on your, on your emotion. Yes. Interesting. 
I want to show these videos. You want to talk about this one or that, that there's a, a conflict shock like Homer would talk about right to the diaphragm. Um, this was a person who wow. just found out that his, his wife had cheated on him and it just like a punch right in the stomach. You can see that big blue area is the trauma to the nervous system. It's not heavy metal toxicity. Like a lot of people like to say, um, it's an emotional punch to the stomach right there. Yeah. Pretty. Wow. You don't want to see pretty pictures in the blood if you can help it. <laughs> That's just, it just is. It just yeah. is. You know? Uh, we got some more lungs. We got another. That's, lung a, that's the other thing that I'm thinking of right now, guys. Like the <laughs> the the aspect of color, the qualitative yeah. aspect of color, yes. and how that relates to all this holograph. holograph. All the colors mean something, and there's a lot of ridiculous interpretations on what those colors mean. Um, but that's why it's so important to have the right microscope because the wrong microscope, you're not going to be able to see specific colors. We've had trouble with the LED microscopes picking up certain colors. It doesn't pick up all the colors. Right. Uh, so the colors do do mean something. Need to work that's something. Some, that's something. Bear, you'll probably aware of, or we could talk about in private. Um, yeah, yeah. We had another lung. We've seen a few lungs recently, which is great. They're always yeah, good yeah. pictures. Oh, uh, this one. This one, Josh. Is this the palate? Yeah, yeah, it's a down view of the actual palate. You can see the teeth in there. Yeah, uh, we've seen a lot wow. that have to do with teeth, and the palate work is important. Um, yeah, we see a lot of teeth in the blood. It's not always that clear, but that, that's that's a pretty good one right there. Yeah, braces are not necessary for the teeth. Looks like a little oh. crab or something. Well, yeah, it's probably how yeah. they broke their teeth. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, this one. This was great. Fiona took this one of the broken leg. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then did I put these videos here? Okay, so yes. This is a video. Uh, Fiona was a patient of ours, Fiona Gardner, um, and then she ended up working with us. Um, and at this point, she is the person that Josh is working with. She's our lead microscopist and head of collection center. Uh, we've tried to come up with a title. Um, so the blood from the States it goes FedEx to us. Um, it gets to Fiona. Fiona gets the images and then gets them to Josh. And she's working with Josh to help figure out what's going on. So then Josh can teach more and more. So she's looking at some interesting things. This one, uh, it's a, is it going to play? Yeah, there we go. So protozoa ciliate of sorts. Well, she's right? looking at urine though, right? Yeah, she's like, that's right. She's using her microscope to observe, which is great. Observe and see consistencies and patterns. So she sees this and she goes, well, wow, that's cool. All right, it's moving around, whatever, interesting. She's going to watch it over a period of time. So as she watches it over the next few hours, she kept going back to the microscope periodically. All right, let's look at the change. So what's going on coming out of the side of this whole experience? Um, good question. Things are changing. Are these antenna? Are these, uh, what is this? What's happening? Okay, Bear, I'm sure you can give us some light on this. Now, still though, as she observes, this is later on. This is where things get interesting. Look at what's going on here. The symbionts are coming out of it. They're leaking out of it, okay? Now, this is, and this is what we did with the Royal Wright video. We show, he, uh, he administers a frequency and this thing explodes. Did he kill it? We don't think so. It doesn't work that way. What's happening here? Are we witnessing pleomorphism reverse? Is this reverting back to its symbiont form? Can you well, she, can you briefly just just say, uh, describe what you mean by symbiont symbiont to? Oh, the sorry. Audience? There's many names for the microzymas. Um, yeah. so, so, Protid so, symbiont. Yeah, okay. symbiont, microzyma, yeah. bion. We confuse people a lot with that. Um, microzyma is, is what Bechamp would use, so we should use that for today. But so it's reverting back to its primal form, basically. It's been pleomorphism at its finest, 
And we think right. that's what Royal Rife was doing as well. It wasn't exploding. It was reverting back through the pleomorphism chart. So those well, little, not, those little I, white light, sorry, Bear, just, just to get clarity for the audience watching, those little white, those little glowing orbs, are you saying those are microzyma or those uh, larger entities? The little teeny guys, the little teeny things. The little guys. Little that, teeny guys. The little okay, guys that are moving. Sense. Little guys that are moving there. Yeah, and yeah. It, if you look carefully, you can see some of those little teeny guys that get a little bigger, which we'd call colloids, and then you see a couple of them come together and uh, kind of elongate, but you can still see the colloids at each end of the pole there and what we would call maybe a chondrite. And so uh -huh. what I was going to ask uh, you gentlemen was, is that, um, are, are we actually witnessing that in reverse, like a, a retro metamorphosis where the chondrites are going back to colloids and back to protids? Well, this makes sense. What happened next was interesting. She went back to doing her thing and she came back to the microscope, looked in, and when she looked in, it exploded. And there was nothing left oh. but symbionts. So yeah, I, be I believe so. Uh, she, couldn't push, she couldn't push record quick enough. So this is, I get chills with this. So there's electrical connection with the truth of sorts here. This is and, the observation is, that makes sense. And did Rife with his microscope, he could really get closer to these, right? He could see a lot better resolution. Absolutely. Yeah. So think of this then. This is a total change in our perspective and our approach to what happens, okay? Rife took a frequency. He administered it to a cancer cell. He killed it. No, what he did was he somehow facilitated its pleomorphic process back to what created it in the first place. I mean, and that's, this is why I show this to you, Bear. This, is, this makes sense. Those things are coming out of this. And if it didn't, and it didn't have, it happened so quickly and doesn't evolution happen quickly. Like sometimes it's just poof, like we can change. Yeah. I mean, is this, does this make Absolutely. sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. And, and I have witnessed this same thing uh, a good number of times, just looking at my own slides um, and, and, you know, metamorphosis, which of course is just the, um, the expansion, the development, not necessarily linear in an evolutionary form, but it, it happens like this, but metamorphosis can also go retrograde. And we witness that a lot of times in uh, different situations. So yeah, things go in both directions and that's how waveform mechanics works. You have a simultaneous, uh, metaphor, metamorphosis and retrograde at the same time on the waveform level. And, uh, you know, then that outplays in exactly what we're seeing on the screen here. So we need an elementary lesson on the waveform mechanics somehow. You know, the thing about, you know, people listening to this or hopefully watching this are, well, why doesn't, you know, mainstream science, quote unquote, mainstream know about this? Well, because they look at dead stuff. Right. They have been kind of co-opted <laughs> into the idea that electron scanning microscope is superior, and they look at stained dead slides. This is live microscopy, and to that point, James True's in the chat. What up, James? Good to see you in there. He does great work. He brings up a great point that when looking at live cell cells like this, the observer, what effect does the observer have on the actual interaction within these protoplasma this this of, of life right uh fascinating yeah. well and, a good, and, and good the question. fact that we're taking it out of its normal environment so those yes. those are all things yeah. that have to come into the equation yeah absolutely sure. there's the quantum all entanglement yeah. yeah all excellent points beginning with michael's and josh yeah just yeah, yeah. there's there's so many things to consider yeah right and uh, please well, continue 
Someone asked us once, you know, we would show that image of the femur that we saw in the blood before the woman broke the bone, right? And then someone said, uh, you kept calling her and asking her if she broke a bone. Did you put that in her consciousness? And did you, like, were you, were you, uh, did you facilitate her breaking of the bone? And I thought, I may, could possibly, uh, hope not <laughs> i you know i like to think that we're a little stronger than that in general or possibly um but this is this is what we did when dad looked at blood he saw things and he addressed what he addressed and then the pleomorphic process reversed you know and so many people have we've said this before have heard with the lyme disease the spirochete pleomorphism and then you're screwed because you have it forever they were teaching that up in, in seattle bear it was killing me they were teaching they were teaching pleomorphism and that can't be reversed well, that same gentleman up there prides himself in being the Lyme expert on the planet. It's, it was it was just that was what led to some of my TMJ. I got to work with seven or eight of the concubines, you know, and it was just a brutal, brutal experience. I mean, it's fear based. First thing you're doing is taking away people's hope. Right. And the second thing you're doing is making sure they'll never, ever, ever heal themselves. Now you're in perfect symbiosis with a practitioner. But they took things like neural therapy and pleomorphism and they bastardized it and i really took it personally and i think that is still part of the reason i'm dealing with this eye issue there's my anger speaking of <laughs> speaking of bastardization um the same good folks i think we're referring to um took a very intricate neurological based system of uh, neuromuscular evaluation and turned it into a simple method of um muscle testing yes well, that um, that makes my skin crawl every time I see it. God, it was. We believe in muscle testing, you know. That's for sure. Don't believe in muscle tester. <laughs> um, well, yeah, and again, with proper muscle testing, you have to have a basis in neurology. For instance, if you're just taking a simple muscle and saying resist, well, okay, now you're having them initiate the action, which is going to, uh, you know, you're going to get information from the spinal nerves. Uh, whereas if uh, you have them initiate the action, uh, you know, then you might have it coming from the cerebral cortex. Now you're doing upper motor neurons. So just real basic things like that. And it gets more intricate than that. But if you don't know how to differentiate between spinal nerves and upper motor neurons, you know, gamma one, gamma two, you know, nerves, all that, then your, your muscle testing is going to be spurious at best. And then of course, they're coming to all these conclusions, just like people that, you know, body workers that get a few courses in dark field and then they say, uh, they, they, oh, those are fungal balls. You're going to get cancer, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's crazy. unfortunate. It's unfortunate. Uh, I shared something and someone yeah. said, oh, we have a new dark field person in town. And I was like, I'm very nice these days. It's like, oh, what we do is very different. It was, it was brutal. Mm-hmm. Some of the conclusions they would come up with there. The thing I got so offended by, um, one of their favorite conclusions was, oh, your body is switched. It's working on something it's oh, not it's supposed to be working on. It's confused. Yeah. Okay, so now your body is stupid. <laughs> right? Now, switched, uh, <laughs> switched is uh, what I would call neurological confusion. Mm-hmm. And real switching, if you want to take care of that term that's kind of all-encompassing of a whole lot of things, yeah. there are many, many levels of that nervous system that you have to get in there and synchronize with very intricate techniques. Yeah. You don't just rub on this little point here and say, oh, you're unswitched, which is exactly what those people do. Yeah. The way they explained it to me, though, too, was, yeah, your body's working on the wrong thing. It's confused. 
Yeah. yeah. So a, we we will not start waste any more time on that subject. But well, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because not everybody feels my pain on that bear. <laughs> it's, well, it's important, you know, as we go to practitioners in our world, a lot of this stuff makes sense. You know, and we encourage people to learn, you know, you don't just go to your practitioner and say, fix me. And then you, things happen, you know, ask what's been going on. I, osteopaths are interesting because a lot of them are from a different planet. And they're quiet or they do different things. We used to have one that would work on you and burp. It was like she was burping up the evil, you know, or grunt. <laughs> um, so, but to ask, you know, what are you noticing? I want to be very conscious. I want to be aware and I want to be coherent. Strain patterns, I get it. You know, um, the relationship with the emotional experience, the energetic experience, the spiritual experience. But ask the questions. You know, dad said in one of his books recently, the reason this has gone on recently is because we've lost our ability to think critically. We've given all our power over to other people. So think about this. What makes sense? Why is the dog eating the grass when he doesn't, when it's not feeling well? You know, uh, can we eat a salad at some time too, depending on what goes on? Are we similar? So I think this is really cool. You know, the jamming is awesome. Yay. I appreciate your input on those videos. All I can think is, did you guys see it? Like, and, and if it just reverted instant, she missed it. She looked in and it exploded and it was just symbiont. So by the time she took a picture, there was nothing. So this is happening right now in the body, right? And, and if this is, well, and this is a cellular level. So what this means on a grand scale is we can change. And can we change instantly? Um, here's a fun story. I love Coca-Cola. Yay. It's the worst crap in the world, right? Um, I have a, an interview with uh, my favorite, one of my favorite metal bands. And the, the guy says, I've been around the world. I've done all the drugs ever. And I've quit them all. And I cannot quit Coca-Cola. Right. And I'll tell you, don't inject stuff into you that you don't know what's in it, but I don't know what's in Coca-Cola and I'm still drinking it. Right. Um, however, all right. I got to walk the walk and talk the talk. So ginger ale is better. I'm getting more into, you know, kombuchas and things. But one day I stopped drinking Coca-Cola. It was not difficult. We can change when people say we, don't, we can't. People can't change. If you want to change, come on. You see it there, evolution backwards, forwards with the pleomorphism or whatever's going on there. We can change. You get yeah, busy living a, or you get busy dying. I'm a big fan of radical personal reinvention. <laughs> I do it all the time. And um, it's, uh, as we always talk about as hermeticists that we are as above, so below, as within, as without. Literally, that's how the biology works. That's how we can work. That's how society can work. And so if we extrapolate that out, society can change like that too. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. That's, that's, and, where the, that's where the pattern <laughs> disruption comes into play. And the farmers talked a lot about pattern disruption. Yes. Uh, change the way you plant each year because otherwise the environment gets used to that certain type of pattern. So if you don't disrupt the pattern on occasion, stimulate adaptation, then the world our energy will disrupt our pattern for us. <laughs> right? Right. So Showing, um, showing yeah. people their blood, I think, is one of the more profound experiences you can have with your clients. Uh, on first visit, every single time, I'd not only draw blood, but I'd have them sit there and I'd make them watch it. And then I'd go into a little bit of a lecture about how everything on this screen i wouldn't get technical but just explain that these are all sentient beings and they are taking every order from your emotions from your belief systems they obey your every wish and command they are the little people of your universe you are their god start acting responsibly 
and stop sending all this, you know, all these toxic emotions and things through your body that makes them act out. And it really, um, you know, hit home with a lot of people. It's just like, wow, those are those little people in there are my responsibility. And, yeah. uh, you know, start acting like a good parent, act yeah. like you know, a beneficial, like a benign God would act. Yeah. yeah, it's so your like, team. They're, they're in there. They're a doing lot of times right I would, now. Put a, I would put an image just up there on the screen for them and I wouldn't say anything, you know, and a lot of times they would cry or a lot of times they knew exactly what it was. Uh, oh, there's, that's my uterus right mm -hmm. there. And this had to, this was my abuse pattern. You know, this is what happened back then. So they'll know, you right. know, but yeah, we got to support those little guys. They're, they're, they're working for us. They're not working <laughs> against us. Right. Tell me how stasis. Yes. How about the eye? How about the idea that maybe these sentient beings are going through their own uh, consciousness expansion and, and uh, just like us, and maybe sometime we'll create even bigger worlds in our own little body that is a universe in and of itself. And maybe those uh, folks yeah. that we're looking at at the microscope are going to go along for the, the whole evolutionary ride and become more magnificent themselves. And so, yeah. so you know, maybe become co-creators, who knows? There should be no limitations on what we and they can do, us. Oh, I'll tell you what, I'm so sick of dealing with airlines. I can't wait till we are teleporting. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. What happened to Freedom Airlines too? We get to get some better stuff going oh, here. Man. Well, and yeah. guys, I mean, we've seen things. I see kids regularly read with blindfolds on, like oh, yeah. read without their eyes. Okay. So this is happening. The future is so bright and awesome. It's ridiculous. I mean, just acknowledge who you are and how awesome this whole experience is. And yeah, be kind to your symbionts. They are you. And we have met the enemy and he's us. You need to take responsibility. And you know, and if I eat my crap food and my stomach is bad, I apologize. I do some ho'opono for my stomach, you know, and I eat good for quite a bit. And then I eat some more of that ice cream, you know. Um, it's a balance. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. You can't be afraid of things. You know, the 5Gs and that stuff, we did experiments. We'll do more with our biofield. My blood was not affected as much putting on the router because I do my Qigong. I do my homework. I get my joy. The best protection from EMF, aside from a metal screen door, which we just did a cool video, um, is dancing and Qigong and laughing, expanding this biofield. And you're more, you're less, you're more impervious to what's coming in. And if we can do this, like I would love somehow to do this, this music and sky thing. And can we get like, some type of imagery of the energy happening, you know, with that thing going on and the music and the vibration and the dancing and the joy, put your 5G near us. It's not going to affect us as much. No way, shape or form. This is what we need to do. This yeah. is how we're evolving. There, there's a thing we say at Music and Sky, we've transmuted the 5G into 5D, which is a little silly, but there is a sort of um, telepathic phenomenon that happens there. Um, we say you're, you've come now into the vortex because we don't even have to use our radios a lot. We just synchronistically appear in places on the staff. It's like we're, we're connected through the field in ways that you can feel it. You, there's a resonance there when you're there that you can feel the harmonics at play. And by the mm -hmm. way, two, three of the performers this year are, and one of them, Steve Young, is who does audio alchemy uh, workshops are all 432 hertz producers. So they mm -hmm. do everything in just 432 hertz. So when you hear that through the sound system it's like healing and amazing and harmonic so you feel uh, it but yeah you're so right on that we need to be able to like take an image of that with carillion imagery or whatever that's called or something where we could somehow 
take that down and sh and show it right in yeah. a way that's scientific that would be really cool i'll work on that yeah, pictures got, worth a thousand of that one of these days yeah. well actually sorry come to that uh, you invited me a couple years back and things got weird i would love i think i'm going to be in the states around that time so i would love to come to that yeah um, i will nope. shoot you a message after that we'll figure it out love to have you guys all both you guys there and hang out with bear and i in person that would be fun we can have amazing conversations around the fire kelly brogan will be there oh eileen McCusick is yeah. there she's like part of the family now she came last year and loved it so much she's like i'm never missing another one awesome so I she's also, gonna... um, what's that i think we're gearing up for a massive after party here at the farm too because we've also had a couple yeah. confirmations of folks that are going to just head a little bit further north to where we are here so right. love to see sky decompression event at count, count me in can i play can i bring my guitar too yeah uh, yeah so we have lots of room for open will... uh jam sessions and okay. all that so that would be Perfect. amazing um guys this has been such a phenomenal talk um you know this really just is uh reiterates the need to have the new sort of um uh what would you call it the new school like you guys are doing already but mm -hmm. the the new university if you will of biology or whatever we want to call it the new science uh paradigm shift that happens via these conversations on a platform um and you know alpha vedic we're, we're launching our new platform and there's all these other you guys have your platform but to have this sort of as a new sort of whether it's online and in person or a hybrid of that university type approach to the discovery of all this stuff it really needs to start kicking in more motion so yeah absolutely so can you guys tell us how to find the bigelson's academy or any other links you have out there for us yes 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 and yes now, yeah go uh -huh. ahead um, well, and I'll, I want to do the quick screen share on this one too. Yeah, what we're doing oh, okay. is is beyond awesome. Um, Anna and I, Anna's taken the lead, but she's created the Living University of Terrain. All right, and the Living University of Terrain is an umbrella. Um, it's an online platform. We have our holographic blood here. Uh, we have, this is Artur Sala, who's doing physics and alchemy. And wow, he's got an 11-month course right now that he is teaching. And his webinars Whoa. are- four to six hours deep. You, you, you love him, Bear. Oh my God, Bear. We can get you some access to that. Uh, a lot of it's in Spanish um, and we're working on that too now. Um, there's Anna's course. She teaches the electrical experience of the body. Science. She's a research scientist. Okay. This Alma Dana is teaching this Maximo Sandin's work, biology with missing pieces to the puzzle. This guy is one of Anna's heroes and he's the one that called Josh and I scientists <laughs> because of our replicable work. All right. <laughs> So this is online and we're in process now in Mexico of getting it fully accredited as an, a university. Uh, Bear, you have stuff going on and we wanna include your stuff here, all right? Um, we really wanna do something big and comprehensive and have the jam sessions and everything. So we've got agriculture will come into this, um, a lot of different things. We've just started it, but it will be certificated in Mexico where you can get a certificate of terrain and it will be acknowledged. Mexico is an interesting place here right now. In that school of our Living University of Terrain, Josh and I have um, things that we've done. We've turned our 13 week uh, introduction to terrain paradigm course with dad's holographic blood book work, his blood book. We have videos of dad uh, teaching awesome content. So 13 weeks online. Uh, we also have our school of health and wellness, which is webinars, two webinars a month. We've got one interview, Barry, you were the first one. Two weeks later, we do a question and answer and we're sharing tools. We talk about structure and then there's structural exercises. 
Uh, we have once again videos from dad. We just posted the video of dad and Emoto lecturing together in 2006, which is awesome. awesome. So we've been doing this for nine months and we've got awesome stuff going on. So go check out the Biggleson Academy, uh, find the Living University of Terrain and uh, watch it grow. This is awesome. Every action is equal and opposite reaction. All the horror in the world that we've seen, there is that much awesomeness happening. It's not being put on the news or up in front of people's faces because we're smarter than being a whack-a-mole, right? So <laughs> we're getting team t-shirts. Once again, you guys are on the team. Uh, awesome stuff. Holographic Blood Book is the book. Get that book. Amazing, amazing work you're doing. And thank you so much. And I was uh, very honored to be your inaugural <laughs> um, episode there. So, uh, and and I'd really also be further honored to, um, you know, contribute in any way I can. I, I All I have is my experience. I don't make anything out of it other than that. Um, so, and I think what I hear you saying is we need to get together and share our mutual experiences. Yeah, and, uh, for both of you guys, I think, you know, that I'm in a market for a new microscope. Um, and I have, uh, in fact, I just refabricated my wall. See that screen there. And, uh, that's gonna be where my microscope goes. So we can do a lot of show and tell. And also what I want to do is create a lot of presentations, you know, with live blood and uh, really take it into the realm of introducing different lights, sound frequencies, and all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. That's just kind of what floats my boat these days. And yeah. to really chronicle the changes that go forth. So, um, and I know, Josh, you were saying that I mentioned one microscope just because I was looking at, you know, for something that would hopefully get the job done, be affordable, but you yeah. were mentioning you might have something else in the work. So maybe when we yeah. hang up today, you can... Uh, Help me yeah. do that. Yeah, okay. it, it's in the works. We're hoping it's done pretty soon. What they're doing is our oh, microscope cool. was an Olympus microscope. Uh, was a CX forty one uh -huh. that was that was changed the components of it. We changed the light source of it. Um, changed the condenser. Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. Um, I have not found an LED microscope that works yet for what we need. Um, and and uh, it, the new, like the CX forty three, and just still the same thing. I, I was really surprised with it. I, I did it. You can't see the plasma really at all. I mean, you're, you're missing the forest. Really? Yeah. I mean, you can probably, with my microscope, you'll be able to see sixty to seventy percent more of the plasma, which is significant. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm glad yeah, you didn't. Yeah. I'm glad you didn't get that's that. That's critical. It is yeah, massive. That's critical. Um, so it's it's being worked on, and I, I believe it's getting really close. The first thing he's going to do is recreate what we have already which is nice. Mm -hmm. And then he's going to try to enhance it so we can start to see things that maybe we've been missing as well. Um, but if I, I get a chance, I'd love to get up there maybe in the next month or so if you're around and I'll bring my scope up there. Um, so it'll give you something to compare things to. Um, but we hope oh, it's done soon. It. Love it. We hope it's done soon. And I'm glad you didn't buy that microscope um, because we would have had to retrofit a lot of it. But we're, we're working on it and right. we're, we're close. Nice. It'll be Thank awesome, you. Josh, to have you come up. You can go, go in the, the goodie closet and get a bunch of good Alpha Vedic products. Yeah. Uh, that'd yeah. be awesome. I'm still looking to relocate, Grab so I, I need to go check out some different areas as well, looking for my own little farmland myself. So, awesome. Yeah, and, and like Mike said before the episode today, um, you know, we are in California, but uh, not really. Yep. When you get out here, you know, right. people are different. The terrain's different. It's... Uh, so uh, unless you turn on the news or something, you don't even know you're in California. Cool. Yeah. Viva yeah. Jefferson. <laughs> <laughs> I'll definitely hey guys, I'll send, I'll send so you an much email. I'd love to get up there pretty soon, Bear. Adam, well, I don't know. We're, we're you say here. where in Mexico you are? Because people are wondering. 
Sure. I'm in the uh, Lake Chapala area, Ahihik, Lake Chapala. It's about 30 minutes from Guadalajara. Um, it's awesome that we're actually looking at land yet yeah, to, to build a physical university at some point here. Um, there's cool stuff going on here, guys. Mexico is a different world for sure. There's so much freedom. And uh, one of the initial controlling families, one of the children was into homeopathy. So as if a wow. Rockefeller was into homeopathy. So homeopathy is actually, it's in, it's here. Definitely. Yeah. So we've got an And Mexico is... Mexico is America, and someday when uh, borders are not being weaponized against uh, all of us and the three Americas, we'll uh, just have a nice free flow between. Yeah, I, you know, if I had my druthers, I'd probably be down south of the border there. You know, I got family down in South America, so mm. great, 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 great people. I love it down there. I'm going for some 80 degree waves in a few weeks. You know? uh, it's just, uh, uh, uh. Oh, <laughs> 80 <laughs> degrees, Mike, <laughs> not 48 degrees. Oh. Yep. You're invited. That, that would be beautiful. Really thank appreciate you guys. you guys having us on, you know, it's always a pleasure. I feel like I learned so much from you guys. So uh, just, just thank you. I really, really appreciate it. Well, well, both ways. And I, I enjoy these conversations with you guys so much because I know you bring such a rich history and so much that I have to learn from you as well. So uh, great. Thank you, gentlemen. And yeah, we can only we only speak from experience. So we need to see what other people are experiencing also. So that's yeah. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. Hey, guys, I hope you guys uh, out in the audience enjoyed this conversation as much as we did. <laughs> we were really having a good time. Uh, if you find out more, go to the biggelsinacademy.com. That's really the spot to start from. Uh, and also watch the other alpha cast we did with them, which was phenomenal. Uh, thanks so much, guys. Remember to uh, share this with your friends and family. Uh, smash those thumbs up. And this will be coming out as an audio podcast as well. Uh, and uh, thanks so much. We'll see you next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Thursdays, 10 a.m. Alphavedic.com, t.me forward slash Alphavedic uh, and Patreon.com forward slash Alphavedic. And by the way, as I was saying, we do actually make and sell products. So if you want to support us, go to Alphavedic.com. There's like people that think we just do a podcast, Bear, because we're so bad at promoting our stuff. Like, no, we actually create well, we awesome. Aren't, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, we, we aren't um, salesmen, and also our whole business model is actually permaculture to pay for the farm, and then also make it out of stuff that, like you said, Josh, it's not biohacking or nutritional therapy. It's just whole food stuff, whole herb stuff. Yeah, which 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 can maintain the original waveforms that created in the first place. That's what makes your body tick. Nice, the way nature intended it. Okay, guys, thanks so much. Remember to get outside, get your feet in the dirt, go plant something. Spring's here. Get your seeds going. We'll see you next week. Love you guys. Have a beautiful weekend.